Sebastian. It's preface for everyone. I've been trying to get you on my podcast for so long, and I'm up. I've been really, I'm really bad at communicating. Not communicating, I am. I'm really bad at, yeah, I guess I get, I am bad at communicating through social media. I'm terrible. I'm a hypocrite. I'm terrible. I can't, I'm, it wasn't until I started a podcast that I actually started actively communicating. Well, I didn't used to be so transparent about, I I mean, until like a year ago, I didn't tell people that I was like, oh, I have a lot of issues with this hand. Yeah. I felt like, uh, you know, you don't like telling people your weaknesses. You're like, oh yeah. yeah. But yeah. now I'm like, I had, I had to grow up. I'm like, listen, you know, uh, just working with my like, my disability people at my school and stuff like that. I had to be like, oh, I can't help die if I don't speak. Yeah. About this. So I'm like, so uh, a lot of it's just like I use voice messaging a lot. Yeah. And so, like, I have like eighty-seven <laughs> unread text messages. <laughs> And then that's not email. That's just text messages. Yeah. Not even emails. Yeah. No, you I'm know, a, DMs, yeah. Facebook, all that shit. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't. I'm a, you know, full time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah, for everyone listening that isn't watching, has no idea what we're talking about. Why don't you uh, Why don't you introduce yourself? I know you as Havoc Sebastian <clears throat> on Instagram, and I'll link that in the description in the top comment. But yeah, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, I'm Sebastian Lupe Gallegos. Uh, I'm a full time student at. Uh, at my school, I don't know if I'm supposed to. You be can careful say whatever. About you can my say school. Whatever you want, man. Um, I'm a finance major. I'm a junior. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps. I, I got out as a rifle team leader, a corporal. Um, I served predominantly with Third uh, Battalion, Fifth Marines. Uh, I was wounded in combat in Helmand Province, Afghanistan. And you have the coolest prosthetic arm. Yeah, I know my seen. baby. I. Uh, it's it's kind of like a. It's kind of been like a a learning process for me with prosthetics because I never realized I was so ignorant. Obviously, everybody's ignorant about prosthetics until you know it's incumbent upon them to yeah. not be. Yeah. And so I didn't realize I was going to have to be such an advocate for prosthetics. You know, when I was wounded, that I kind of grew up on prosthetics, so I never knew an opportunity. I never had like a, a world where there wasn't going to be one because like even when i was in the hospital they're like you're going to get a robotic arm uh-huh. and then i kind of like was very naive about what role i was going to play in getting that and i was just kind of assumed everybody else was always smarter than me in the room when it came to prosthetics yeah and then years of like a lot of difficulties where now i had to learn to be like oh man i need to like fucking understand physics engineering you know i was like oh i have to be like really loud about this yeah and uh, this prosthetic was meant to be a uh, a temporary thing because it was the first. Uh, I, I'm getting better about talk, so it seems like I'm, I'm giving an no, elevator no. speech. No, no, I'm man. No, well, there's, recently. there's no there's no rules here, man. So whatever, so whatever you want. Yeah, I um, this was meant to be a temporary thing. This was the first to give people a, a why why this is not a good prosthetic build is because it was the first upper extremity prosthetic that the. Uh, VA in San Antonio, Audie Murphy had ever built. Okay. And I never, I never fully explained that to people because I can't type it out. Like I, I like all the grammar and all that stuff. Like I voice messaging. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Um, I uh, to explain, they didn't want to build it first. Audie Murphy didn't want to build my prosthetic. Um, but I had so many failed prosthetics since I was wounded. I had a really good prosthesis whenever I, whenever I first got wounded. He was the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And people from all over the world came to see him. 
at, at there's this hospital in San Antonio called the Center for the Intrepid, okay. built specifically by civilians. Over six hundred thousand civilians donated their money to build this critical care center for uh, combat wounded people. And um, he built me some really good prosthetics, and I always thought that it would always be at that level, like the level of um, I had camouflage prosthetic that a lot of people knew me for. You know, I um, uh, I um. It was. I always said the arm is more famous than me um, because pe- people knew it from everywhere. And, and um, I don't know. I feel like now because I've been getting more into just being loud. Mm-hmm. I always do because I was like, oh, man, I'm kind of forced in position because I can't hide my service. Mm-hmm. And so like everywhere I go, I kind of get a, like a lot of um, people that like project things onto me and i'm like oh, I, I, in person yeah you know, it's not where i can't avoid it yeah and it's almost easier now during the quarantine because people have to stay six feet away yeah but like i think uh, people don't realize that like my on my online personality came from how much in person like i was harassed you know what i mean like okay uh, and d- dating different girls and stuff like that that and, and my friends they would realize they wouldn't they wouldn't really understand the scope of things until they hung out with me and they're like, oh, you get harassed everywhere you go. And it's like, like super positive interactions, the super negative interactions, you know what I mean? Like, but it's still stressful. Where people can like, yeah, they're all escalate stressful. situations. Yeah, okay, you even, know, like even positive interactions, that's still stressful, right? Well, it's stressful because they don't know what they're asking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so part of my part of my problem is that I'm not been, I'm not, I've always been real subtle. You know what I mean? Like my boys who know what I went through know what I went through. So I used to like take thank yous and stuff like that on behalf of my bros. Okay. But then like I, I, I talk to my bros about it and I'm like, man, they're they're more protective of me than even I am. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, they would get like whenever I hang out with them, they would get mad at people for being the way they are with me than me. Yeah. And uh, so now like I learned to if you know any if people don't know anything about heuristics and stuff like that where it's like just profiling people's um mannerisms stuff like that mm-hmm. i learned to to pick up on whether people are going to be confrontational fast or not okay and so like i feel like i always have to be like i have to give them the worst case scenarios because in person people hide this conception always have this conception that it's like they're the first person to you know ask me or yeah you know and so you kind of pick up like the thank you is to be is usually it's like a thank you so they can be more invasive so they can like get a series of questions and i'm like and, and what people like don't understand is like that's them bringing up the worst day of my life every day for the rest of my life and a lot yeah. of people don't know that like no, I, you know, I, I i never thought about that yeah i'm thinking like here i am looking at you and you know i've had on guys from delta force i've had on comedians I've had on weightlifters and everyone in between nuclear physicists guys that are 60 years older than me and i've been following you since before i started my podcast i've been following yours not to go on a little spiel but i lost a sibling to suicide in 2014 and always felt bad for myself was in great shape got into med school and seemingly kind of went all by the wayside when i lost my brother and i started following your page because for me it was it was like how to overcome difficulties so whereas you know it's a given it's you know thank you for your service why this guy's badass to me it was also like here's this guy that's just like you know i'm bitching and moaning uh you know i lost a brother i lost this is so sad and there you are 
doing push-ups out in the sun and it's just like you know work hard every day and it's just that's why i started following you and i'm realizing as i say this now that i probably should have clarified that when i was trying to get you on my podcast it wasn't just hey show me your arm like dude i i I get it like it's yeah it's the worst day of your fucking life you don't want to talk about it it it's and i feel like now i'm i'm i i kind of like you know as a as an apt i learned from disability the disability community i'm like you're kind of forced to be transparent if you want because i want prosthetics to evolve in my life yes and that's where we were kind of like in a different place me and my prosthetics they're like one day prosthetics are going to be great and I was like, I was in my twenties at the time. I'm like, what the fuck? Is I'm, I want to live a little bit longer. Yeah. Like, you know, where they were just talking about things. You one know, day. Be available. One day, and I'm like, I, I need these. You know, uh, for me, I feel like I came to a point where I'm like, I used to be at one time. I was, I would consider myself, and people considered me in the medical community, the most advanced upper extremity prosthetic user in the world. And so, like, when people would say. Um, so sometimes like I kind of assume people know things and I'm, I try to be subtle about things and opportunities that I had and didn't have and, and things I said no to. And so now, um, you know, I'm to the point where I'm like, I can communicate about it where I'm like, because I want people to be like my prosthetists are relatively young and that's nothing about, that's not to be ageist or anything like that, but the people that kind of like gave up on how advanced prosthetics could be the capacity for prosthetics at this current you know in 2020 sure where i was like this is this should be capable of more yeah. right now you yeah. know what I mean? because yeah. every day i don't have a prosthetic i'm more disabled yeah and then it's because i don't go off of like telling my story so people don't understand that i was in the infantry and that i had so many injuries before i was <laughs> and they're like and that, so i was like when i'm talking to my bros i'm like and my bros are disabled just from their life in the military yeah of, you know like i have so many mountains <laughs> all over from all over the world all in my body before i was wounded you yeah. know and um they don't get that and i'm like i was like oh my hand was fucked before yeah i was wounded. yeah and then i was like you know people I, I always have to explain and i was like now i'm like I took a piece of shrapnel to my owner whenever okay. I was wounded. Yeah. So I never had full control of my both hands since I was wounded. Okay. And now it's like the injuries are so advanced where I'm like, I have to be like, now it's like, if I can't do this or tell people this or whatever, it's because I'm like, I'm like, Oh, because this is, I'm very limited in what I can do in a day now. Yeah. And so like, I'm now I'm to the point where I'm like, I'm working specifically just from our right side to get stronger because I can't use this side. Mm -hmm. So people will be like, Oh, you look like you're like really work off. That's like, I don't work out this side. I work out this side, and this one comes along. Yeah. Because I, I have like, I got to the point before the, before the, before I started in the push-up thing. That was because of a, v, a Vietnam veteran from here in San Antonio, um, for Sergeant Casada. He, uh, he asked me to do it, and I told him I was like, man, you know how many fucking people asked me? I was like, no, you have what you understand? I have one arm. This guy was wounded in combat. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's a member of uh, military with a purple heart in San Antonio. And I was like, Vietnam veterans have always been there for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I don't even like explaining, but I was like, my dad was drafted. And, okay. and I was like, people have to understand like where I got my views from. I was like, oh, my dad was drafted. My my dad was a, my dad picked cotton for America as a kid and, you know, picked strawberries and he worked in the fields as a kid. And then he was drafted um, into, into Vietnam. And I always had that like sense of like, it made me mad. You know that people just he i'm from the valley i'm from south texas i'm right from right on the border 
Uh, I grew up between Valley and South Texas and Houston because my parents were divorced, but I was born in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, uh, like before the push-ups thing, I I had only worked my arm every two weeks. Okay, my my left arm, and you know, so people maybe thought that I was like. Where I am in the disability community now, I feel like I can be more honest because I was like, I made a point where I'm like, oh man, I have to be louder because there's so many puppets being so loud, yeah. and I'm dealing with their views, and um, uh, where I'm like, I'm being more transparent. Where I'm like, I'm not taking steroids, and I'm not taking HGH. And in the disability community, there's like not on the not on like the intellectual side. On the intellectual side, there's like a there's like people that are like, hey inspiration porn and all that stuff is like that's really bad for kids health okay and i'm like and i'm like uh, so I, now i feel like because i've been able to be like oh, listen i don't need a sponsor i'm sponsored by the gi bill yeah <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i can be more vocal where i'm like listen uh all these loud people in the disability community or whatever i was like a lot of them like on tv shows and movies that they have their crowns because I didn't want it because I said no to producers, yeah. I said no to directors, yeah. and it makes me mad because I'm like, ah, oh, should I have said yes, you know, to these things where I'm like, maybe they have louder voices, but I was like, yeah, I, I you know, before I started school, there was a time where I would get three movie offers and three TV shows every six months, and I was like, I was like, nope, 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 nope. I would only do something if it if it made me, if it would challenge me physically, mm-hmm. which you know, I don't know if that was the right choice. Um, but I advanced prosthetics a lot. I feel like I advanced prosthetics a lot. Yeah. Um, or, or it helped me help my brothers. Okay. So if, like, if there, if there's something that I could be like, make a network and I'm like, Hey, can I get you guys to take my bros? Like combat better, you know, like yeah, 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 yeah. my unit Marines, if I can get them on something, fuck I'll do that. I don't care. Yeah. And so that's where I was like, I could be more honest now when I'm like a lot of, a lot of people, and this is not to say anything against steroid use or anything like that because i'm like i'm not saying i'm i'm not uh holier than thou or whatever because sure, like sure you know if i'm i find for ending the war on drugs and stuff like that yeah I yeah absolutely yeah honest about things yeah. where i'm like i just think you know whenever i'm talking about things where i'm like listen if i'm talking about war in the war on drugs and stuff like that specifically not to get on a tangent but That's just to communicate that one point where i'm like i think that there's a lot of like law enforcement on steroids and absolutely. i'm like they don't, they don't <laughs> They don't, they don't view that, they don't view that, they don't view that, no, because they're my friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, I'm saying this from a point where I'm like, they understand the hypocrisy of enforcing certain things on, like, I see a lot of motherfuckers judging, like, hardcore about drugs, like, hardcore conservatives. I'm like, bitch, do I know how much climate trade you are on right now? Yeah, yeah. talking about having a glass of wine, they're like, man, we got to get rid of drugs. And it's like, bitch. It's that is semantics. Yeah, when people yeah. say drugs and alcohol, it's all drugs. One is just in a bottle. <laughs> it's so, so like I'm I'm so happy that especially from like the special forces community, there's there's always been like a, a, a like a lot of um, uh, you know from like the the websites like the news websites like OFA Nation and stuff like that. Okay. But now there's like seals and rangers into like CBD and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they understand that it's not about them necessarily completely. Too much. They're also being vocal about you know people that records need to be expunged because like you're 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 making millionaires when people are still in prison yeah for, for weed for things like that for, yeah, for and so but shit. to get on that thing with about the disability i was like um i get upset not get upset but i'm like um 
it it makes me upset because I get a lot of the people like, why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? Like, why is your hand like this or whatever? I was like, first of all, a lot of the people that you see doing these miraculous things are on steroids, and that's okay because they're my friends or whatever. But, so whenever I say I feel like I'm the most advanced prosthetic user in the world, and for a prosthetic user, I'm very I would put myself against any Paralympian in the world because I know Paralympians are tested. And so I'm yeah. like, you know, I was like, don't compare me to these fucking. Don't compare me to these, you know, why I'm not this or that. These, you know, I was like, I always say, I was like, if people had the, a grasp of all the things that I said no to, I was like, just because people put public speaker in their bio, bio does not mean that they're smarter. No. Does not mean that they're offered more opportunities to speak. That's means that, like, that's what, that's they what they, they took pursue the to do for a living. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't mean that, like, everywhere I go, obviously, I get, I, I ask to get asked to speak, and I'm like, does this advance me or does it advance anything or, or who am I speaking to? Mm. Am I just, if I'm just speaking to a bunch of wealthy people that want to be, I, I don't, I'm not attracted. To they want to I'm pat themselves on the back. We talk to a Marine like, with like a, a prosthetic arm. They're just, they're all jerking each other off. They're like, we're so enlightened. We're so progressive. And, yeah. No, fuck it's that. Hard. It's fuck hard. That. Because like, it's hard because I, I, it seems like I, I became more accepted by like the Latino amputee community because I, my first language was Spanish Okay. and I shouldn't, I forget to tell people that, like, like mi primer, mi primer idioma era español, and so I didn't learn I didn't learn English until I was like, and uh, I, I got held back a grade yeah. because I didn't speak English yeah. until I was like uh, in the second, sixth, fifth, first or second grade, and they well, they wanted to hold me back, a grade, yeah, but they wouldn't. My parents were like, no, he just doesn't speak English. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll come along. Yeah, and then I graduated high school when I was sixteen, so I I, I was able nice. to make the jump. Well, I was gonna say yeah, because yeah, you, you you I I asked you I was like yo are we do uh, no why did I ask I was finally I was just like Sebastian are you alive like I text or on Instagram, and I got a voice message, and it was I don't even but I don't speak Spanish so I was like qué pasa bro and I, I'm thirty years old at Google <laughs> I was like qué pasa what does that mean <laughs> but well, you know it's you know it's funny because uh like I I I feel like I, you get a lot of you get a lot of the scope out of um what people think like um uh what politics are on the ground and i'm like man i i makes me hopeful about like politics and stuff like that on the ground because i'm like texas has this culture where like you have these motherfuckers the most country motherfuckers in the world in texas yeah come from texas or whatever and they'll be speaking spanish to yeah. people at bars like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they'll be you know it's like the community where it's like oh, oh man like i feel like rednecks and country people are more progressive than a lot of um, a lot of people like, think like a lot of, a lot of like people that are like um proclaimed liberals and stuff like that yeah. like, that's an issue that the activist community has already covered where yeah. it's like oh yeah like a lot of people are just you know like uh, they're just like faking the funk so they can feel good about themselves and not actually have to do anything in their community and i'm like hey man rednecks you know, the will be hiring Mexicans. Dude, they're I lived. I lived in. About. Yeah, I lived in. Yeah, they're yeah, not. They're, they're not like. Look how progressive. I lived in South not, Georgia, man. Them, yeah, I went to the university. Moving them out of their fucking out of their fucking neighborhoods. Yeah, like, yeah. We need, we need better policies. And I was like, whatever. You gentrified their fucking neighborhood. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We put it in a Whole Foods, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I graduated from the University of Georgia, but my first two years I did in Valdosta, Georgia, which is I always describe to people as a time capsule from 1865. But yeah, man. Those are the most. They, those are the rednecks of the rednecks. Yeah, man. Yeah. As much as there were some racist motherfuckers, there were also just some of the, yeah, just straight shooting like someone say something racist and just be like that sort of country boy simple logic and be like, man, you dumb motherfucker. Like, what skin color got to do with it, man? He's a hard worker, and it's just like a simple. You're like, yeah, it's surprising. Well, I got like I, I have a deal that owns a construction company and he's my godfather and um. 
in in Santa Fe, and I we had I had a conversation with him a couple weeks ago where he's um where he was talking about that, and I was like, we were talking about that because I grew up you know very blue collar, blue collar, and so it's like it, it, I feel like I have such a a, a good an easy time communicating with people because I was like, I've had a job since I was 13 years old. You know what I mean? My first job was fucking air conditioning, repairing insulation, working on roofs in the sun. You know what I mean? Like fucking the sewer machines on and houses, you know, fucking uh-huh. unclogging toilets and shit like that. Uh-huh. And, then, uh-huh. and then working in the fucking attics in, uh-huh. in Houston at the time. Oh my God. Like it's just, it's so hot. Under you. Like, yeah. You understand, you understand hard, hard, hard blue collar working Americans whenever you've done that. And I feel like, a lot of uh, there, a lot of like the division comes from you know, like a lack of respect. And I was like, oh man, I worked as a mechanic, I worked at a flea market, I worked in retail. Like before I joined the Marine Corps, yeah. And I, but I had a job to help my, my mom out since I was thirteen, and uh, so that makes me understand where I'm like, where I'm at a point where I'm like my deal, you know, maybe people could probably. Because I didn't even mention his wife. Like uh, he married my um, my tia, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it, like he employs so many, um, you know, just specifically Mexicans. I like the Latino community has their own thing, but he just and he was talking about that because like there's this kind of view of um, of racism outside of Texas, where it's like it's like funny because he's so country. He's from Arkansas. He's so country that it's <laughs> like uh, whenever people are like whenever people view him, they view him and in, in, like. In, in the same way they used to put me on in a little box mm-hmm. and um it's just it's just funny because he was talking about like it's the it's the it's the wealthy people that he builds houses for and like the rich people that build houses for that he feels like that maybe they're more vocally liberal or whatever but they're the most racist because they're not, like, racist they don't want people. their kids to work <laughs> yeah. like mexicans are working you know what i mean and like they don't want their kids to do the kind of like trade jobs that that uh, that the mexicans are doing i was like they don't have any they don't have any minorities in their day-to-day life because just because like uh, i always say that i would put an infantry platoon's uh diversity against silicon valley and i'm like because i've had a couple of conversations with people and some ceos and some rooms oh man you guys talk about a lot of things this room is not you know yeah more diverse than infantry platoon and um, <laughs> yeah, they. they and, but, so he was talking about that. I was like, oh, a lot of these, a lot of, a lot of the appreciation for Mexicans in Texas comes from having it having been earned by by the like the development of like this stereotype of a hardworking construction worker. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good stereotype. I'm yeah. fine with that stereotype. When I was in the Marine Corps, I always remember my boys like talking to me like how I would be working so hard. And I remember my soccer at one time when I was digging a fight hole. I was like, I, I, I didn't want to give up the shovel because I, I, was, I always was like, my view was like, uh, when you're in the field, this is the only opportunity you have to work out. And I was like, oh man, like, okay. fucking don't give up. I was, I was a team leader and I wouldn't give them the shovel. I wouldn't give my yeah. guy the shovel. But I was like, I, I want these fucking, I want these reps. That's the way I was looking yeah, at it. Yeah. And there's like, it was like, man, you fucking Mexicans. Like, I swear to God, like, you guys, I'll tell you what, you guys are the hardest workers. The hardest motherfucking workers like, ever, dude. I lived in Atlanta, man. Holy shit. Those and, day workers, they'd be out there at 5 a.m. And that's why I'm like, I'm like, uh, I think that specifically, I only have, you know, I've been all over the world and I've been all over the U.S., but like, my, my, my view of things comes from Texas. And I was like, there's a lot more unity and stuff like that on the ground than there is you see on social media, I was like, I was like, so I've always made a point where I'm like, I don't want to hear about people who don't live near minorities if you yeah. are minorities because they're, they're, they're the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you from a tiny apartment complex that's majority. Yeah. 
majority black and Mexicans. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, uh, don't tell me like what I'm not seeing. Yeah. You know, if I'm talking about my interactions with police, I'm like, I'm saying this with like some of my best friends, my brothers, my family are in law enforcement. And, um, and I, you don't want to expand on that completely because you don't want to like, you know, put people in a difficult position. But I'm like, man, I've worked with the, mo- the most advanced law enforcement we're supposed to have in the U.S. I've worked with FBI, HRT. I worked with DA oh, really? Fast. You know what I mean? I'm like, and and I'm like, and I was like, some of the solutions I've had. I was like, people aren't offering solutions. I'm offering solutions. We have we have people in, in Quantico yeah. training law enforcement already. We should just expand that. You like, were, because, because what did you do the, with HRT? The, the folks at the folks the folks on HRT. The, you look at their school, and I'm like, I, I know oh about God. them. Like, yeah, it, it's so difficult. They're insane. And, you know, They're fucking insane. That HRT stuff. I have a bunch of have you know other patches and yeah. Uh, Wait, when I you, shot with them, that's crazy. They have some, they have some sketchy stuff. They, dude, like, they, they're, 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 they're the most badass. In my opinion, they're the most badass law enforcement in the U.S. They're because insane. Because they're like SWAT. If SWAT was on, you know, if SWAT did Delta Force, the, the, they're they're like. the Delta Force of SWAT. I had on a Delta Force guy, Dale Comstock, and I asked him. I was like, "Would Delta Force ever be deployed in the United States for anything?" And he was like, "Well, you know, no, that's illegal." But I was like, what would happen if there's a hostage situation at like the White House? And he said, HRT. And I was like, why is that? He's like, because that's that's Delta Force SWAT. He's like, that is. Well, a lot of a lot of HRT is former Delta Force. <laughs> Case so, in point. <laughs> so the thing is, the thing is about HRT is that you have to be an agent for a year before you can even apply for the team. Yeah. So that gets a, a little bit of attrition. But I'm like, uh, like some of the solutions I was talking about, I was like, oh man, like we should be having. Um, if people get mad at me because of like I'm like a higher training standards without more funding, then I'm like, you mean like the Marine Corps is done for the history of our fucking service? <laughs> and I'm like, because today I was talking, I was like, I was like, I was like, man, I remember a fucking full battalion getting hazed because a Marine got caught wearing a fucking earring downtown. Whole battalion was hazed for it because they couldn't, nobody would admit who it was. Hey man, group, we all knew who it was. Group hazing. That's how you get a point across. They hazed the whole battalion, and I was like, you telling me that you can't ask for more training? when American is killed and yeah. I'm like um, the Marine Corps will haze the whole time and I'm saying specifically the Marine Corps because it, I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about this but talk about the Marines want, train with HRT okay. you know what I mean they train where they train and who they train with and uh, like the cross trainer or whatever that's who trains them mm-hmm. and that's where I'm like why don't we use that as a resource if you're going to be giving if you don't if you're going to be giving law enforcement military equipment and not military standards the UCMJ and because like the Marine Corps doesn't have qualified immunity like you don't have that whenever you're like Fuck, I'll never, I'll never forget the fucking cases against rapists in Japan, Marines or whatever that mm-hmm. are like the story when you're there. When I was like, when I was a boot, and then I got there, and these motherfuckers were still in a fucking Connex box prison because the Marine Corps was like, "Fuck you, rape this chick, we'll fucking the country can have you." Yeah, and I was like, "How would it?" You know what I mean? Like, and so like the UCMJ and stuff like that, where you're like the military stands and they're like, right now a lot of things in law enforcement are incentive based, where like physical fitness and stuff like that. And I was like, I know the badass cops have a view of other cops because like i see them i see the senate i see these motherfuckers i was like you guys you guys look like you can barely fucking walk yeah much less you know be in charge of protecting me yeah and i'm like you know when i communicate with people i feel like one of the common the common um the commonalities we have like the the overlay of where people agree is like i believe in the second amendment because i was like i think a lot of veterans have a view of the second amendment second amendment because they i spent so much of my life Shoot! All I did in the Marine Corps was shoot. Yeah. I mean, that's why I was a, I was a rifleman. I was a rifleman. Yeah. Or through eleven, um, sh- shooting 
with live rounds people that hated me you know what i mean yeah really they're just they wanted to fucking kill you yeah but you get so comfortable around firearms when all you do is train with it constantly that there's not this fear whenever you see a gun you don't yeah. freak out well that that's and i the... think that texas has something better about that because so many texans have guns that they're they're able to process faster you know what i mean like they feel safer around, around weapons because a lot of people are like you know people are getting killed because they were scared there was a gun and i was like man like i I don't have that fear. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I, yeah. you just be around guns so much, like you don't have that fear. Yeah. Where you're just like, you're just so confident where that barrel is and how dangerous it is. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, uh, it's not like I'm asking people how to hold themselves to a standard that I wouldn't hold myself to. Because I'm like, oh man, do I think that I train harder as a full time student who's disabled than the majority of police officers? They're my friends. I know I do. Yeah. Like, I, I know I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I've shot with the best cops in the world at the ranges. And, and then I've shot with, you know, PD and I'm like, these motherfuckers don't treat weapons the way, no. the way, the way you're hazed in the treaty weapon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, uh, understanding ranges and, um, ballistics of different, you know, weapons that they use. I'm like, oh my God, like you shouldn't be using this. You shouldn't be doing this. It was like without the training, to, yeah. to, you know, a lot of it's, a lot of it's too semi annually checking the box. I was like, you can't do that because if you're going to be in charge of somebody's safety, I mean, you look at the way um, MSG and, and security forces work in the military, where there's like any incident is considered an international incident, mm-hmm. and the way they take it seriously, like they, they take they take it so seriously that it's like about people from another country and like uh, the safety of 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 what they train, and it's like not, they're not even Americans, but they train so hard, and then they're in another country with people that speak a different language with weapons. You know, with with more uh, dangerous weapons, condition one, and not having incidents with people, yeah, because they're they're so much harder. And I think that's where it's going to have to go. Where you're going to be like, eventually, you're going to have to have a higher attrition rate for law enforcement because it's too. It's man, some of the people that join, you know, from your community, and, and you know the way they, you know, like you have stuff on them. You're like, man, I don't know, uh, like, shit, yeah, you're kind of a yeah. Uh, and I think that. Um, I think that a lot of the progress comes from like cops that are just like not scared. They're more honest. They're like, I know how hard I train. I know what I hold myself accountable to or whatever. And they're like, I, I say that like, man, uh, the good the good cops really have a problem with like the way the like the the lack of the professionalism stuff like that. It's the people who are good at their jobs who really resent the people that yeah because like, the, they all get painted with a brush they all get painted with a brush. It's just they all suck, right? It's just when my boys that are cops are spending time at the gym. And they're just fucking Spartans. Yeah. So so they don't so they can feel comfortable in any kind of situation with or without their weapon. Like and they go and they go serve next to motherfuckers that I'm like you see them and I'm like, you you I wouldn't want them in a military uniform. Like, I'm like, oh, you're fucking are you kidding me? Like and I, I, I think that people who don't have extensive training with weapons, they think like people are talking out of their ass. I was like, no, there's a confidence. The heavier the heavier the heavier your weapon is the more stress you get you know what I mean mm-hmm. because whenever it feels the easier it is for you to pull the trigger because you're scared you know what I mean like so mm-hmm. that's why we train weapon confidence you know mm-hmm. what I mean like so much of so much of training is like so it's so easy whenever you have a gun in your hand that it's like it allows you to process things faster becomes an extension of your body as opposed yeah. to oh my god this guy oh god I gotta get out the gun oh no oh no he blinked yeah, at me it's, 10 shots like it's it's... And and specifically, you know, in San Antonio, I remember like a, a year and a half ago, two years ago, in Bear County, they, um, and this is not, this is not, county's, county's not as good strained as, um, as regular PD, 
but like they killed this this uh this white lady who had a pipe in her hand and they shot her 14 times and they killed a little boy uh. that was living in a house behind her and i remember when it happened they killed they killed this little six-year-old boy and uh, they're 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 suing the family's suing uh bear now and our 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 county sheriff is very very progressive so he's like he he's 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 he wants better accountability for his his, his people because he understands that uh, and that's that's how you grow within the community and it was like these guys all had rifles they all they all had um ar-15s and i was like i was like there's not the minimum requirements for training like the way it is now that you can just like have your own weapons and ring them or whatever with the minimal training and i was like if you would have had any kind of training with that kind of weapon you would know i have okay you i live in an apartment complex yeah, you don't shoot when if there's I'm people using behind weapons you're killing everything I, in that line it's because i understand the ballistics of weapons so like well, why why am i not using two two three or like yeah i have i have a lot of what i have weapons right yeah and i'm like why why do i have certain weapons whatever because i understand how ballistics work yeah. i'm not using a rifle that's meant for 600 yards you're not using you know a I mean? 300 win mag when someone you breaks have, in your house it's, even if you have hollow points they're going to go right through things, yeah you know i mean like and so that's why you stick the handgun uh, rifles and and i think that cops should be using more sbrs yeah with hollow points yeah but they're not using that because uh you know it's just the the surplus of 223 it's a lot cheaper to make a make a 223 um it's the way that you know it's just the way the the gas works it's mm-hmm. easier like that's why uh the handgun calibers are so much more expensive because it's, it's difficult it's more difficult to get okay. that um to, to get that um gas right so it's just a more expensive rifle but like so they unloaded on this chicken when they killed the little boy and i was like yeah she had a piper hand you were 50 feet away she was not a threat to you even if she had a handgun they were more yeah. than 50 feet away yeah i was like what's the point of using those rifles if you don't utilize if you don't utilize what makes them safe what makes them safe is like man when you get shot in afghanistan you understand how dangerous the rounds are from how far away they are right so like motherfuckers be popping shot at you i'm not i'm not in my head you know what i mean like and this it, and these and these people like they didn't even have she didn't have a she didn't end up having my gun at all it's just a pipe and they unloaded on her 14 shots that killed the little boy and i was like that fear that she might have a gun that that enabled you to feel like your life was five officers shot four shot at 14 times and i was like that's fear yeah of a weapon because i was it's like you confident. could have a handgun to me at the end of my parking lot and i'm like i'm not scared yeah i understand that round's gonna start to roll yeah and um, yeah and and I, I feel like the understanding of ballistics and, 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 the, and the importance of understanding your weapons is so important. And it's just not, it's just because um, police are so undermanned and underfunded all over the U.S. that they have to, they have to um, you gotta, like incentivize boosts you gotta, and stuff. And I was like, you gotta cut you're, corners. You're, it's... you're addressing wrong issues. You know what I mean? You're, you're not, you're, you're putting, I always say, like, you're, the people that don't address issues or whatever, they think things can kind of go away. I was like, they don't really care about their communities because what they're doing is they're putting a band-aid on something that's, like, poisonous. And it's really, I was, you know, I, I was I was talking about, uh, I always refer to, I was like, I was talking about this two years ago when I was like, oh, man, cops are going to be resented. Uh, two years ago, I was like, cops are going to be resented all over the U.S. because they're having to enforce unjust laws. Whenever yeah. I always say yeah. that, like in Austin, because I live in San Antonio, San Antonio is predominantly, you know, we're a majority minority city, mostly black and Latino. Um, I always say that like weed is legal for white people in Austin, but it's not legal for Mexican yeah. black people in San Antonio. Yeah. And I was like, because it's like, it's used as a, as a way to, um, 
to break up gangs and you know you charge people with nonviolent crimes yeah. to turn the streets but you're making that community more dangerous because they're coming out as I mean that's why they records. started the war on drugs was we can't get black can, people for being black so let's get them for what do they do they smoke weed that's the beginning of the war on drugs it's declassified well, especially people don't know them it's part of the problem is you're informing people with the history of things and I was like and then they get into the history of things not being important. They're like, well, I'm talking about right now then. So you, you, you almost don't even want to talk about it. It's like, oh, the history of the war on drugs is racist, but the history of marijuana and, and, and Mexico and the relationship with why, why something Free is for madness, much less, yeah. uh, much less of a, you know, like a personality of it or than alcohol. Yeah. And you know what I mean? You look at the violence involved with alcohol and bars and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, well, you, I, I don't have the status to understand um, that that should be illegal. It's Schedule One, which shouldn't be Schedule One, uh, as the same as fucking meth. Yeah, and no. it shouldn't be that way. No, it's but, retarded. You know, I said that I was like the, the communities are gonna the communities are gonna uh, resent law enforcement because they're 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 be, they're seen as like a form of protection for property. And whenever whenever you're only enforcing laws, I was like the rich side of San Antonio, all these all these kids that are um, that are super wealthy that. Uh, like um, they can be like hipster or whatever about, about smoking smoking weed and stuff like that. And I'm like, and then you have people that are that, that are like you view as gangbangers and stuff like that because they when they smoke it, like it's like, and they're put, permanently put in the fucking justice system. And it's like, it's like, how do you not see that's going to be an issue? They're going to, of course, they're going to resent police officers because you're only enforced there to get certain people. Yeah. And it's like, it's, and, and, um, I feel like that made a lot of animosity, but I was like, I was like, that's why I was like, it, it seemed like I got quiet about it because I was a full-time student. I'm like, I, I feel like it's important for people that are not full-time professional veterans to speak on these things because I was like, there are the people that like, and I'm glad because they stopped fucking with me, they stopped engaging me. Not my friends, not my friends. A lot of my friends in the, in the law enforcement community came from the military community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends in the law enforcement community just came because I was doing things for law enforcement. And, um, and so I'm like, now I'm like, I don't want that. I don't, I'm glad I don't have the responsibility of like responding to people. I was like, where I could explain it honestly now, where I'm like, a lot of these wealthy conservatives fund a lot of these people's lives. And I was like, if that's speaking fees or if that's trips to Oahu, mm-hmm. that's boats, I was like, their views, I was like, it's, they, they, they feel like they're, they're helping the situation by being like back the blue, blue line, the thin blind. I was like, they're not helping because what you're doing is you're creating a division. And when you politicize police, you're going to make them disliked by half of the by, Yeah, by default, half and, the people. And so a lot of them resented me. I was like, listen, I understand you want you want ties to your community, but you're not like, I, I just feel like now I can be more honest about it where I'm like, uh, bro, like your whole life is going on trips to fucking to do things with law enforcement and stuff like that and you're selling merchandise to them you're selling politics to them of course those are abused you're you know like they're this literally you can say you're a non-profit but if it funds your life that's not to me that's like that's, when you have access to all that you're like yeah like it's a i'm a non if that's their whole life there's a difference between activists that are trying to get like legal change like you say with like uh, the different military organizations that specifically try to like um, help with the GI Bill, mm-hmm. or activists that are like par- uh, marijuana policy advocates, like and there's some really good veteran nonprofits that specifically you know uh, lobby for um for but because that's what you have to do. Capitalism, you have to adjust, and they lobby for legislation. And then there's a the difference to the people that are just like 
reinforcing a bubble and i was like and and um i feel like i can communicate with those like i'm doing these things as a full-time student and if people are asking me now at this point they already have a lens of they're not going to be able to buy me you're not going to be able to shut me up or change my views with with um by offering me the world you know mm-hmm. what i mean i think people understand i was like oh man i could have a house built for me and live in a place where in and i shut the fuck up and agree with certain things I was like, no i live in my community i see these problems every day yeah i can't run from it so easy and i think that people in the military community especially successful veterans <laughs> the capitalists see what i'm talking about and they're like oh man i feel like you're talking about motherfuckers like all they do is go on trips and and they have these views and i was like they share these views to piss people off and like and then so they become that token voice where they're yeah. like see this veteran that's a minority agrees with me or whatever. yeah yeah yeah. Like, yeah really well how, what is he even doing what is who, who pays his bills yeah all? yeah like uh, yeah, you know who, who's writing them huge well. checks yeah and it's the same thing with the disability community where they're like it's gotten to that point where they like they like um it, their sponsors and their and their speaking fees or whatever i was like man i've been a paid public speaker i'm a published poet i'm a published model i've been the the face of advertising campaigns an actor and I'll, but you know just like this before i was back in school and uh just doing like physical stuff and i'm like um i understand that they're saying things because they want to continue the the role of having their their things heard or they're, whatever they're, yeah and so that's why i'm like yeah. i can be like i can be louder where i'm like i'm saying these things i still believe i'm the most advanced prosthetic in the world i work harder than all these people it doesn't come from sucking or it doesn't come from kissing ass it doesn't you know what <laughs> it i mean come from like, sucking I know the I'm, the yeah. I'm the best because not only my heritage but the marine corps and the discipline all these things that came in that you know uh, i could be that way because that was instilled to me by the best leaders in the world leg- legends of the marine corps raised me in the marine corps and i was like and um, i'm so happy because like i always say that like a lot of people talk about the the political i was called the puppets or whatever yeah like whenever they're talking about things they they like bring up like gold star families and stuff like that and i was like they can do that stuff with such ease mm-hmm. because they don't have family that are gold star families yeah and i'm like i know so many gold star families that are so politically loud against you know like certain issues and i'm like oh man don't say you represent gold star family but you don't know any yeah because gold i know a lot i I, it hurts me that I know so many Gold Star families, so I can't say with these, like, this is what they died for when they're talking about Kaepernick and stuff like that. Yeah. I was like, really? Because the Gold Star families that whose who's kids that I know personally, that who will live with me in my mind for the rest of ever, are like hardcore into justice and, and progressive values, like, you know, like, um, you know, police violence, stuff like that. They're really loud. And I was like, I just want to put the business out there. Yeah. Because, you know, I have that, like, I will always defend Gold Star families because. I, the best people that I, the best brains I ever knew died in combat, mm. and that's why I'm like, you have that. I feel like all my friends that support me, no matter what the love I get, no matter what, is because they know. And it's really sad because I don't think you can build. The, I don't think you can build the unity that you get from the veteran community out. And, and you can activists that are like all around like gang violence and stuff like that. They have that same mentality where they're like they don't want more death. Mm. And so I feel like a lot of my boys like are so good at communicating with really different political views because it's kind of sad but they got that because we lost so many bros that like you just have that like i can't give up all i can't i can't um, yeah it's politics don't matter like yeah, some like yeah it doesn't matter because like uh, they have that love that you can only get from tragedy yeah and that, that's kind of sad where i'm like oh man we, we're the only ones that remember our our base is bro our 
our brother's faces. And so I'm, I'm like, oh man, these motherfuckers like that have this, the audacity to be like, talk about things like that. I was like, because they didn't, they don't, they didn't make the, the jump themselves. They don't have that themselves a lot of time. And that's, and so I, that's why I'm so grateful for any support I get in the military community because I'm like, I'm like, because uh, they understand, like whenever I understand something, it's 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 from a place of, uh, of where I'm like, I'm being patriotic. You know what mm. I mean? I'm fighting. Like when you see people comment about America's this or that, I was like, man, I feel like I'm more patriotic. Like I'm here defending America yeah. and like fighting for America. And these motherfuckers are just like, like especially it's like the hipsters, you know, where they're like anti-America or whatever, whatever. I was like, man. I've seen poverty all over the world. Yeah. I understand the femicide in Mexico and the gang violence in Mexico is why people come here. And I'm like, I'm defending. I'm not attacking these people that don't have any solutions that just attack it or whatever. They just want to feel good about themselves. Mm. I'm not that. I, I if I feel like I'm alive, I'm contributing to the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I'm not trying to just attack. I'm trying to understand that I'm like I'm fighting for that red line. I'm not trying to be like the people that just you know like uh, they're not contributing and. Pat themselves they feel on the back. Like attacked. Yeah. And like I'm like, oh man, it's not me. Like you you have to understand you have to be willing to talk about that. Because I was like, I, I think that I always say that like a lot of the um a lot of the division comes from people who are um who don't have any stakes in the game, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they're just like uh, what what I've noticed is like a lot of the hate and stuff like that comes from people that like uh, they kind of just interact with people for political stuff. And so I was like, I'm glad I filtered that out a long time ago where they're like, they already know that I'm not going to be that person that just posts MAGA stuff yeah. and like donate to this. So I reply me. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Oh, yeah. it's... In person, people come up to me and try to take pictures of me. Mm. With stuff. I'm like, nope. Like, I'm never going to be that puppet. Yeah. I'll never be that where I'm like, they just want me to be that. Token. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're the, yeah, you're the, it's like, a, I always think of um, Norm Hooten, the, everyone knows from Black Hawk Down, you know. This is my safety. That guy, the real life Norm Hooten, after after he retired from Delta Force, he went and got a farm D, uh, a degree in pharmacy, and is now researching opiate addiction. And anyone can get online and you know make a post of like a, you know, opiate pandemic or whatever. Norm Hooten went and is actually researching the the addictive qualities of opioids because he's had so many friends get out of the military and then either from physical injuries or from PTSD turn to opiates and then eventually that kills them or that leads to withdrawal and then suicide. So I looked at it as like Norm what you were saying, like continue to fight for your brothers. Norm Hooten was like he's old he's 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 older and he's like, Okay, I can't be an operator in the field. What's the next best thing? Go get a farm D, start researching the addictive qualities of this shit and try to offer Man, a solution. I'm just like, what a badass. Those two guys are so like I always love it because I'm like, man, like these they're motherfuckers different that are animals. Like, Harvard Business School. Yeah. And they're like professional gunfighters. And I'm like, oh my God. Like it makes me so happy that it's like that's I'm so proud of my community because that's the people that are driving the conversation. Fuck yeah. And I'm like, I feel like it's a lot of the people that are like either weren't military or they're just like, I don't, I, I, I'm a finance major. I'm a business major. So I'm like, I don't want to attack you, but I just, I do notice that a lot of the people that are super political about things don't have the credentials to be like super hard. Yeah. And I'm like, why is it always you motherfuckers? Yeah. And I get mad, but I get mad because I'm like all these fucking tier guys that are in like business school, like, it, like their, their views are so like, 
they were the smartest people in the, in the military when they were in the military. Now they're like advancing themselves. Like yeah, they don't stop. Whether it's SEALs that are work for NASA now. Yeah, or, yeah, Johnny and, and Kim. Like you, yeah. like, you, you, you almost, it's almost easier to talk to veterans. You're like, are the smartest people in your unit talking about this? This is what you're talking about. If you remember the people that were working the hardest that cared the most that were fighting hard, are, do they have your views right now? And you don't think you don't think it's a coincidence that the people that acted a certain way while in the military are also the people that conduct themselves are succeeding outside know, of it. So yeah. brazenly now about things. Yeah. I was like, is there any chance that you know it's not that? Uh, you know, like is is there a correlation? You know, yeah. is causation. Whatever. Yeah. Um, is there a correlation there? It, there but, um, yeah. Yeah. No, like that to me. That's why I'm like, um, uh, I I don't want to make a living off of. Of, sure. of telling those things, but I'm like, I have I have I have a, enough knowledge to, of the opioid epidemic, epidemic to vocally be like, you're gonna make Americans hate cops if you yeah. don't prosecute people that were responsible for killing forty thousand people a year with the opioid epidemic. Yeah. What about all that Billy Chinese fentanyl coming over the border? And they and now they live in Malibu, retire, and they're lobbyists ensure that they don't go to jail. Yeah. And I'm like, whenever you have killers of communities that are retiring in Malibu and you have Everyone's people in prison for 15 years for marijuana and nonviolent convictions, you're going to make the, you're going to make the community hate police officers yeah. because it all, it seems like there's a protected class of people. There absolutely is. There absolutely is and a protected like, class of people. You're, you're, you're guilty, you know, depending on how much money you have to influence the outcome. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, when you look at the people that are so vocal about it now, it makes me proud to be part of the veteran community because I see them because they, they can't ignore that hypocrisy yeah. and that's why they're like that they're like i can't i can't like they'll be they'll be doing their own thing they'll be successful in their own right and they're like fuck, i can't ignore it like yeah and and so now i feel like i'm happy because at least the people i interact with they shut the fuck up about stuff they don't know about they, they educate themselves about it first and i'm like and um even if they still do things you know where they're speaking or whatever like that they won't they will no longer spew propaganda to get people to like them. And I think yes. that that's what, that's a real problem. And that's a problem because people don't understand how social media functions as a, as a, as a monetary, like the, they don't understand the advertising model of social yeah. media. Yes. Yeah. So they don't understand. Everything's like, making money out there. Yeah. yeah. They don't understand that whenever they're like, that they're, they're essentially being propagated to agree with each other. That, and that's what drives social media because it's people selling their privacy yes and so whenever like these people don't like they're not surrounded by the people that agree with them by accident it's because of the, the suggested nature of, of that to make people to catalyze people in an advertising box and the same thing that happens with uh like why why liberals lie about issues or whatever because whenever you're whenever you're incentivized to talk about something to adhere uh, to adhere to a certain set of guidelines that appeal to 18 to 35 that's an ad block yeah We're talking that's, about yeah. saying things social justice and that stuff like that it, it almost poisons the well it absolutely real, does real social justice and activist leaders that are like especially a lot of black women that i see in person that are taking heat in person and i see people get confrontational with them in person and i'm like it's almost like the well is poisoned by these fake woke liberals yeah that are just like they're tweeting from million dollar you know complexes yeah, yeah yeah and and that's their job professionally i was like they're really hurting the activists and the activists are talking about it now they're yeah like, like, oh, fuck you. where are you tweeting from you yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Tweeting from yeah. Downtown. capitalism sucks from my iphone 12 being on my self-driving yeah. tesla in oahu it, hashtag woke hashtag justice 
and that's what and that and that's why it's important i think that where i'm like if i'm talking about something else, I'm, like, no, I'm not a fucking puppet you're not going to see me defend a politician you're going to see me defend american people like uh you know because i i did stuff with beto and i was like ha- hardcore disagreed with him on stuff but he's the only person talking about war on drugs yeah and i understood the hypocrisy of the nature of, of an election where so much money was driven into it because i understand i'm a finance major i'm a capitalist and i'm a capitalist and because i understand the history of, of of the world the only the only opportunities that have been created have been created in the past 100 years for for when you see, see the like the the crimes committed against minorities in like black latinos indigenous communities or whatever the only solutions that we've had uh, you know capitalism is the only one where people weren't mass mass slaughtered and you see like the homophobia not the homophobia you're talking about like the persecution of of the lgbtq community throwing them off buildings setting them on fire a lot of a lot of like liberals that that are just like for twitter and stuff like that they ignore like the persecution of those people and i was like whenever you're not fake you can you can honestly talk about that oh you're talking about somebody you know some of these people that not only persecuted but you're talking about people that intentionally killed disabled people intentionally imprisoned um the lgbtq community and it's like because that's the only way they can function to force people to work and stuff like that and i'm like people don't understand why china is a threat to america yeah. or why russia is a threat to america and i was like you don't understand what kind of freedom you have whenever they're putting muslims in internment camps yeah two to, million uh, Uyghurs in china yeah whenever you to, to prevent to prevent um the the free development of, of what a government would reflect if the people voted within a democracy yeah and like, and I was like, that's why it's like, if I take offense to certain things, because I can, because I, that's what I, I literally bled for. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't mean it figuratively when people fucking post memes like, yeah. when a little willing to fight, I was like, oh man, I survived. You literally fought. Or God, you know, yeah. God help me, I survived. Maybe maybe some people hate that I survived. But like, oh man, because, uh, you know, I guess there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that are like, it's just so intellectually lazy to agree with you know things that they hear on the internet and they're not educating themselves and it's like and because there's a lot of uncomfortable truths you know yeah. I mean? and i'm like the answer has to be meritocracy because anytime you get to a situation where you give somebody power they're going to abuse it and that and that's been shown with politicians the public media figures when the, you put people in power you give them power you, you never want to isolate power it corrupts because uh, absolute power yeah, corrupts it, it, absolutely yeah, men are men. Men are weak creatures when it comes to love. The body, the flesh is weak. Yeah, and um, and so I think that when people understand that, it it helps. It, it helps drive the conversation because they're like everybody's a little bit fucked up, and so what's the best chance of helping the most people? And that's where it's like, I can be honest about that in a way that's like, I'm very proud of the veteran veteran community because it seems like the most successful business capitalists in the veteran community are the most willing to speak about things because they don't depend their life does not their their legitimacy is not limited to by people agreeing with their views yeah they've and walked, some, they've walked some, through hell they know they know yeah yeah there's some people that are there's some people that are you know they like they understand and, and i'm a business major like i understand what they're doing there like there's a market niche sure for politically motivated motivated sure. uh merchandise and so they're saying things to agree with things because that's what that's what drives their brand loyalty and it's like well you can't communicate with that honestly but that's what you're doing and it's because you learn that in business school and you're you're just you're just applying the basic business principles and so you can't uh, preach about authenticity whenever you're like you're not you're not doing any research to justify your beliefs you're just being like this is 
whatever, whatever. This is what drives my merchandise. Yeah. And um, I think that it's easier to communicate about it now because more people are much more educated about it. The motherfuckers always saying this shit. Oh, what does he do for a living? Oh, what does he sell for a living? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see like, this yeah, guy pushing crazy. this hashtag. He's always yeah. these things. And it's, that's literally what, what, what he does for a living. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, and yeah. And it's like these people that come into the conversation that are like, you know, like they're fucking their stockbrokers or their fucking, you know, financial analysts in fucking New York and people don't even realize who they're talking to. Yeah. They're like, you motherfuckers, like they would, you know, they're fucking Rangers and they went to fucking Harvard. Yeah. And, you know, now in their spare time, they'll like comment like, you know, little things and they'll see these people that are just like hardcore, like social media people and like comment, like hate on them. I was like, because they chose a life that, that depended on their education and and didn't rely on them beating people's bullshit yeah. to to drive their growth. There's not I'm like God. You're talking to one of the smartest, most decorated yeah. people. You know what I mean? You're, you're talking. Yeah, yeah, when you're talking to like a tier one operator, dude, they don't care about other people's opinions of them to the point where they're used to the people that don't like them shooting at them. You giving a, a mean tweet. That's the least of their problems. Like, and, and I think that it's like, and it, and it's a problem where you're like, oh man, yeah, I have to be more consistent because I'm like there's not an opportunity like I, I feel like it's already it's too late to be reactive you know so you're like oh man when i hear these motherfuckers views in person it's like oh my god like I, it, it 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 makes me sad because i'm like I, I i kind of already see where people are going to go with the conversation before they even introduce yeah. themselves where like motherfuckers got a mega hat on i was like hey sir i want to take a picture with you like oh buddy, god damn it how yeah. do i not make this conversation yeah not, yeah. The six feet has made it easier. Yeah. The six feet has made it easier. And I'm um, like, now, because like, I, I used to be like physically harassed in person. And uh, I, I, feel, I feel like I didn't finish that story. Like uh, the, the things that made me on social media, like I've had people, I've had Marines take a swings to me at bar, at bars for me, for me uh, denying that I was a Marine. Because like there was like a situation, and it's funny because one of these guys was a detective. Um, yeah, like a. Uh, because I didn't, I don't work on style or anything like that. Motherfuckers would, um, you know, just at different places. I got a couple of um, incidents where this dude was like uh, uh, confrontational because, but that's why I love Marines. I fucking love Marines because I, I can deal with that violence. And um, got confrontational with him because it was like, oh, you're in the military, you don't act like you're in the military, whatever. And um, I guess only on my arm, the only thing you can see is like USMC if you're really uh-huh. detail oriented, but sometimes I would wear long sleeves. When I had a better prosthetic, I would wear long sleeves that uh-huh. could fit under long sleeves. And um, and he was like, well, I was like, oh, okay, fine. Then I'm not in the military. Whatever. I wasn't a veteran. I don't care. I'm like full time student. Like, and he got so mad. This dude got so drunk, and he took two swings at me. And I dodged. And I dodged both of them. And I was like, this motherfucker. I didn't know at the time he was a marine, but uh, and a you know a cop. And I just thought it was funny. I was like, you fucking try to assault me. And I was like, I love that shit because he was so defensive of the Marine Corps. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But it was like it was like people who don't understand like why i what developed my personality to be reserved in person is because i've had people i've had people at the va i've had fucking i've had people follow me to the prosthetics downstairs at the va because i wouldn't tell them my story and because i've done so much work work with vietnam purple heart recipients because the combat community is pretty tight in san antonio like now I feel like I can understand where I'm like, Oh, these people that are, de- these people that are combat veterans, they don't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. They understand my eyes before they understand things before I even have to speak to them. They just give me a nod. Mm-hmm. They don't know. They know not to ask stupid questions, but I'm like, I've had security had to stop this guy from like 
they had to pull him out because he was screaming because I went in the back and I was just there for a medical appointment. Prosthetics followed me down because I was like, I would tell him my story and I was like, this guy had a Desert Storm hat on. And I was always thought it was funny where I was like, the veterans are crazy like that. I'm like, man, this motherfucker didn't do shit. And he has this like entitlement. Like, you're not the only one that injured, bitch. I know what I know the records of Desert Storm. You have 18 combat deaths in Desert Storm. You didn't go through things to make you that crazy. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I don't always volunteer that my dad was, you know, was a special forces medic and, you know, he was drafted and served 20 years in the army. That's why I was born in San Antonio and, you know, did stuff in Panama. And, um, like, so I don't volunteer that all the time. I'm like, uh, you know, it's sometimes, you know, when you have unstable veterans, they kind of project that on you and people don't see, I guess I never explain that enough where I'm like, I get it so much in person that I had to adjust or mm-hmm. I like, had to be more proactive where people come up to me I'm like I stop them before they get to that point where they get heated because I learn you know I'm like oh if I get certain these certain answers people can get really uh, aggravated with me really fast yeah 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 and so, uh, you're like you're already working to de-escalate people thinking you're being an asshole by being like quiet or cutting them you know curt yeah, yeah. Like, I have to have this conversation before you say something stupid and get heated with me and I was like because it had to happen you know 10 times a month for me before I was like okay I have to be smarter yeah. about like how look who i you know i'm just walking at fucking hgb and when people get you know like hey, 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 hey. hey, now, hey. Now, yeah what are they wearing what are they gonna say you know what i mean I, i'm like you know you just process it faster like thank you thank you and you just don't let them say anymore yeah yeah like, oh, yeah. I had too many Th- yeah thank you sir thank I you sir yeah. I've, I've been physically confronted yeah oh my god man like i've had people where they're like apologizing to me and they find me on social media i'm like oh my god i'm sorry i didn't know you were I didn't know you were decorated or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, like after they like tried to start physical shit with me and I pushed, I was like, listen, uh, and just from denying, denying them the opportunity to hear my story where like, I was just, you know, in a social setting and they're like, so, so aggressive and they get so animated whenever you're like, I don't want to talk about it. And then, and then later on they're like, oh shit, like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize because you just—it's just easier to lie than to be like, yeah, to be like, hey, the reason I want to talk about it is because you know what I mean, like, oh, like my friends from my unit know, but like, you know, oh, you're like you're you're the patrol leader. I play you playing a patrol and somebody dies and you live. You know what I mean? Uh, and they had families that were dependent on them and stuff like that. Like people don't understand that's what they're trying to communicate to me about every single time. Yeah, and you're like, oh, it's not like I went to therapy for years to fucking be able to just get over that physically recover years of surgeries and recovery just to get to the point where you could ask me these stupid ass fucking questions so you could feel good about your politics you know because that's what a lot of it is it's like a lot of the thank yous or whatever but people would get so heated about that in person and i like all their fucking i would have parents like of, of grown men apologize to me in the dms like i'm sorry my son got in your face and you pushed him Jesus. and i was like yeah well if you touch me i'm gonna get physical with you yeah it's like and i feel so are so many people in the amputee community because especially females, all these physical all these physical interactions where people like grab me and stuff like that, I'm like, oh man, I, I train really hard to make sure that I can communicate with my body effectively, and um, and it's like uh, I can't imagine how it is for other visibly injured people with prosthetics where it's like where they where they don't have the skills to just be like communicate or, or the audacity to be like, hey, bitch, don't fucking touch me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't have that. They have to be nicer, and they almost like a let more abuse into them, into their sphere or whatever. And then I'm like, 
man, I, like, I had to learn to be mean where I'm like, man, I got grabbed by too many people. And there's, there's wounds that I, that people don't know about. So I'm preventing them because I don't want to brag about, mm. I, I'm not one of those people that like, I have a lot of injuries that I hide. So I'm like, I don't want to tell people how to hurt me. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's what they're doing. And that's why for a long time I wasn't, I didn't tell people, I'm like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I'm like, listen, man, I barely have use of this hand yeah. and I'm not on steroids. So I don't have that recovery. And that's not to say like one day I'm like, I'm already looking at stem cell research and yeah. And if I get to the point where I, I don't have kids or anything like that. So if I get to the point where I have a family and stuff like that and stuff like that is the only option, then, then of course I would I'd delve into that. But I, I don't like people's dishonesty about how they got the places where they're like, Hey, this disability person, like the, it's like, watch my three month transformation. Uh, like uh, you two can start this. I was like, yeah, just start all the cycles. Just stuff. start and HGH. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, mate. And it's, and it's like, I for a while I tried to be Paralympian, but the, the injuries were too much. And that's why I really appreciate the combat with Paralympians because they're doing things with you know without drugs, and then it's just like so hard because you know their injuries were had at the at past the development stages of their lives, and so their ability to adapt is based on their will and like the advancement like a lot of people don't understand when they see me and they see my arm as my only injury they don't understand that you know when i was wounded my back took the blast and they're like oh see you have one good arm they like they don't, don't understand that this arm, what this arm is but they're like they don't understand that i was in the infantry or that it was my back that took the majority of the blast they're yeah. Like, oh yeah you don't have any like yeah no it's just my arm it's yeah. not like my arm has like 10 surgeries just for skin grafts just to be able to because my arm was too my my bone when I was wounded, I had wound back on for like months and months and months. And where it's just like you had an open wound and it just sucks out your um, sucks out the fluids, the excess fluids, because they couldn't decide what to do because I didn't have enough muscle yeah. or skin to cover my wound. Yeah. So whenever you have that, that chances of a skin graft accepting you fails. Yeah. And so I had a bunch of failed skin grafts for years of my life. That, like they attempted they attempted skin grafts before they shortened my arm. Because they're like, we can't, your body keeps rejecting them. Yeah. And I was like, that was years of me in the hospital bleeding um, to, to try things to recover. And like, people don't understand that history. So they're like, they kind of only see you like, where you are now and they make assumptions. And I'm like, oh man, like, um, you know, uh, I, I learned from the disability community to, to be like, when people are like, um, it's, I don't see you as disabled. And I'm like, oh my God, like, you don't understand how physically different. I live on the second floor yeah. to get my groceries out. Like I fucking, you know, like I, I tore my meniscus trying to get out of my truck with my arm. Um, and uh, like, they don't understand or like, man, I can barely, I can, at the end of the day, I can barely do anything with my hand. And um, or two, uh, last year I was Ubering to school because I couldn't drive back and forth because it, my hand couldn't, uh, it would cramp up just from the driving after classes. So I would just live to school. And so, so that's something there was like, people didn't know about that except for my disability people at school. And so, you know, you get a lot of, I don't see you as disabled because you're this and that. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like, it's not like I can barely, like, it's so hard with the prosthetic because there's this one's so bad and I've had a good one. Like the pain is something that I, that I didn't expect to anticipate to deal with. And, um, explaining to people the history of prosthetics i was like the reason that there's not advancements is because in vietnam the kazakhs weren't, weren't as advanced so the survival rate was so yeah. much lower and so like there's not a history of all these amputees because they died in combat yeah and i know because i you know i've seen amputees in combat that didn't make it 
and if we didn't have these advanced casback systems. I was cast back by a British motherfucker too, so I have a lot of loyalty to the Brits. Can I so I don't I don't wanna keep you? Are you free to keep talking for a little bit? I don't want to. Again, I've kept you for an hour and ten. You said you can only. I don't want to. I just don't want to hold no, you. No, no, you're good. I haven't even. I, have, um, I mean, I could go for like fifteen more minutes. I'm actually just waiting on my. Yeah, my, no, 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 so no. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with talking. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't keeping you over. I don't want you to lose track of time. I'm, yo, I'm gonna go grab my charger, Sebastian. I'm, I'm tasking you with filling the uh, dead air. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I am. So if I'm filling this with dead air, I. I, you know, I, part of my reasoning for coming to the podcast was just like, just to um, communicate things that I, I questions I get a lot in person and on social media that you know I um, people ask me and I you know want to say the same thing over and over, so you don't have like, um, so you have to reference it. But um, one of my reasons for wanting to advance prosthetics is because how bad my my injuries are to my to my sound side and my back. And my knees, my injuries, where I'm like, I'm already looking at like how difficult things are for Vietnam veterans who have significantly less uh, advanced injuries as me. And I'm like, oh man, if stuff is already this hard, I can't even imagine what it would be like in in ten more years with the the onset of more advanced um, issues coming coming apart. I'm like, I can't. I have to be more disciplined about things now because I understand how bad things um, could get. Um, because there's just not a lot of people that lived um, from traumatic amputations uh, before the 2000s. I'm a moron. I'm an absolute moron. I was looking for my charger and it was behind my computer. <laughs> God damn it. Um, happens the best of us. <laughs> we're all idiots. Is um, yeah, yeah. So you, you you kept saying that the one you have now isn't good, but the other one you had yeah. was good. So I, I man, um, I used to have a really good arm. I called it Arminator, and I say it was more famous because like you don't like doing that, but like yeah, I don't like doing this because um, like I hate having to feel like like credentials for people so like i was i understand my ability to attract attention because my unique situation and uh, i i don't I, I looked at it as kind of like a responsibility because i used to get offered tv shows so much and so i was like you know uh, when i mean that i was like man i've been on the front page of new york times i've been in time magazine been in usa today been in washington post i've done st- stuff for nbc and stuff like that cnn um uh and that arm was represented and um and so it, people saw me with a lot more able with an arm because I, I was so naive about prosthetics that I didn't understand that uh, how important the competence of every single part prosthetics was with um, building a prosthetic. And I didn't know that at the time. So I could show you an uh, old socket and explain the physics of the differences. But um, it's just that um, people, it's like you could have somebody who was building a motorcycle try to build an airplane. And that's a, a good way to explain why somebody who built a leg socket wouldn't be good at building okay. an arm socket because they're understanding the things because there's sensors in my prosthetic yeah and they have to be in exact places because i advanced surgeries to work to be able to get to this level with the prosthetic and um i didn't know that every prosthetist didn't understand robotics the robotics to the level of every other prosthetist or 
the, the basics of um, the fundamentals of upper summary applications because they haven't been written. You know what I mean? They don't. They didn't learn it in school because they were they they were written as they were as yeah. after they already graduated. Yeah. And um, so I didn't understand why. Like I had to have a bunch of prosthetics fail before I before I was um uh, before I was like okay I have to be really mean about accepting what I can and and I had prosthetists give up on me before I was like okay now I have to be like this is my life I can't spend more of my life disabled whenever your job is to build prosthetics for me yeah. you're getting paid compensated to do it I need you to do it yeah well yeah because it's my life and now I think my team understands that to a level that nobody else did. And to at least to the level my first prosthetist did, and uh, my experience is really like I, I, I wish I didn't have to spend more of my life disabled and insecure about things I couldn't couldn't do because I grew up very blue collar, so I can't do the things that I used to be able mm. to have the opportunity to do in my spare time and work, like because uh, now I can't just do physical jobs, physical sure. jobs for spare, spare money, and so now I have to be smarter about everything that I do, and in, including what my future will be in the business world I'm like oh man I can't lean back on you know what I mean like roofing and shit like that like yeah. I would, would have been able to because that was just what I grew up on and uh, so people I people always like reference that like this this arm was built like seven or eight years ago okay and you see the difference in the socket this is this looks like a leg socket this looks like an arm socket okay my arm is really small and this thing is like four times the size of my arm so I had to work out really really hard just to be able to lift this at all, which which is a throwback to, I couldn't use prosthetics for the first couple of years of my injury because my skin grafts uh, yeah. bleed inside my socket. Yeah. And and then eventually they gave up on the skin grafts and they cut my arm shoulder. Um, and, but I had to lift every single day for, for months and months just to be able to move a prosthetic past year. And whenever I first got wounded, they didn't think that I would be able to use a prosthetic because my arm was so small. And then I would lift every single day just to be able to move it like 15, 15 centimeters, you know what I mean, above. Because past 90 degrees, people don't want, my, my arm is so short. So much weight is out here. Every mm. time I move my, like, it's, it's. I always say for people to differentiate between missing an arm and missing a hand, like I say that this is a hand. This is an arm. Mm. And so a lot of like amputees, I think, I feel like I have a lot of respect in the community because uh because they understand how hard i worked to my amputation is so high and my traumatic injury makes having comp, uh, complicated prosthetics uh even more complicated and um so whenever whenever i'm communicating with amputees or whatever they understand that it's like oh man there's a difference between missing an arm and a hand because so much of my difficulties is that the elbows aren't good enough yet okay this elbow is about 15 year old system okay and it's, you know it's like I'm complaining about it, but I was like, yeah, because I expect them to get better. It's like, that's why I'm like, I believe in the meritocracy of things. Com- the competitive nature of technology is what drives it, mm. and it needs to get better. And so, like, I always say that, like, this is supposed to be, like, the most advanced hand in the world. One of the most advanced hands in the world. So, I don't want to say the names, but I'm like, I'm not sponsored to, but I was like, people don't even know I have this hand uh, because I don't use it because it's so fragile. And it makes me upset whenever I talk to amputees and the amputee community because, um, because, uh, Because I don't use it because it's, if it would break every every 10 days if I used it first, I stopped using it and I had to fight really hard to get this one. It's called B-Bionic. And it's a lot cheaper than this one. Okay. Uh, and um, 
And so I used to have a really good prosthetic and so much of that is the process ability to plug the socket and this is a really bad socket and so it's so painful for me to use my arm every day that i have to have wear a whole whole body harness yeah just because it would, i have scars from how bad the harness system i paid for all this yeah and that's why i'm like where i can resent the public the puppets publicly because man i'm paying for my own shit how much from the va how you much I mean? i'm having them how much did yeah, that have hundreds of dollars you build in my harness um you know, and I'm like, uh, that's why I'm like, you know, with where prosthetics are, I was like, because uh, I, I feel for other amputees, and I didn't know it was so complicated because I was so naive about prosthetics when I first got wounded, and now I understand how much more complicated it is, what it's going to take to drive them forward, and um, and uh, people people see a robot arm and they think positive things, they think this is where they don't see it as like a piece of crap in the same way they wouldn't see a Ford Pinto. They're like, you got, at least you got a car, but if let's yeah. say your Ford Pinto breaks down on your way to your job. Yeah. It's yeah. That's the way I, I want people to understand prosthetics because I've had it break at school in the middle of class and like it malfunctioned really loud. And I'm like the hump people are like, people always say the surprise. I'm so humble. I'm like, man, you've never seen, you never had a physically struggle in front of kids. You know, fucking college student teenagers in the middle of class and have a breakdown. So embarrassing. You have like a little, a little teenage girl next to you mm. asking if you can, if they can help you. And I'm like, what that does to as a male ego, it's yeah, so hard. Yeah. You're like, oh God, like you can't put your backpack together yeah. to get, you know, to get out of class. And it's like to see a little girl that's like five foot, you know, like, yeah. can I help you? Yeah. And I'm like, motherfucker. It's and just... you get that at the HEV everywhere you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when people see you struggle, like it he does, or little old ladies, and they'll be like, I'm five foot. Like, I've like, you know, can I help you? And it's like, it, it's, it's, that's where it's, where I'm across it. It's like, I want them to get better because I don't want to struggle. Yeah. I don't want to, it's like, they don't, people don't look at it as like a vehicle. So it's like, if I'm working and it breaks, that's a real issue for me. And that's mm. something where I'm like, I didn't realize I'm going to have to stay physical to advance them. And my processes changed their mentality in the past year where they used to be like, yeah, if it breaks, you just come in. And I was like, that's that's not acceptable that's not an acceptable medium for me every single time their their mentality was you come in and it breaks i've had it break my i have my i've had my harness break and pop off and hit the most embarrassing situations so many times and i'm like it's not that easy because if i'm dependent on it like changing a tire i've had to change, break while changing a tire um uh in the rain I, i'm like in a fucking really high stakes situation where it's like rain i'm inside the fucking road and I'm literally depending on it. And if, you know what I mean? And uh, so, like, I have to explain it to people. I'm like, this is, like, my mode of transportation mm. and um, activities of daily life. And that's what, like, uh, people don't view prosthetics. They see it in instance, and it's like, if it's a piece of crap, I'm saying it's because I've had a better one. The technology is too better. It's just confidence of prosthetists. And, you know, um, where prosthetics are now is not where they could be. And they're nowhere near where this is, you know what I mean? And mm. and whenever I can do this, like I, if the, for the video people on the podcast, like all the things that I can do and here in order to use my hand easily, I lay it on the table because it's so heavy yeah. to be able to lift it, like to move the elbow, so difficult to lay it, pound it down to be able to use the hand. Like I can open and close my hand and I can't lift it here anymore. Hopefully, I mean, I can. Hopefully, with the, my next prosthetic, it'll get better. But, like, people, like, why they don't see why I can't do these different things. And I'm like, you see all the different movements mm. that you have with your hand. 
and then people that are missing their hand only, they use their, their uh, bicep and elbow a lot to do things like close bottles and open bottles. And for me, I don't have that option. Like uh, my amputation is so high and my resolution is so sensitive that um, I never had the opportunity to be like, if, if I try to, once once my arm's off, I'm more disabled. So my prosthetist changed their mentality from, if it breaks, we'll just fix it. And I'm like, that's not acceptable. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. And I thought, I didn't know that was going to, because my old process wasn't like that. We're like, oh, if, if this breaks, it's in the middle of nowhere. I was active duty too. So, like, if this, I was, I, I got out, I wasn't forced out of the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps, if you're wounded in combat in the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps will keep you forever, keep you forever no matter what. That They differ from the other services in that regard. And so I think maybe my process took it more seriously because I was active duty and it was like, I was dependent on it. And now my process is to that point where I'm like, hey man, this could be a life or death situation. And, um, and like, it's not just work, but it's like, I don't want to have to be stuck to living close to my process every single time yeah. my prosthetic breaks. Yeah. And I feel for amputees whenever I'm talking about prosthetics now because if I'm a real person and I'm really worried about my labor, uh, my ability to labor effectively in the future, like it's so hard because they're not to the point where people can depend on them really. And um, and uh, some of the amputees that communicate with me, like they have that issue. They're just regular workers, you know what I mean? Like you don't, like I don't get social security disability. Some do. I don't get social security disability. You know, like I just have the GI Bill and, and uh, and VA pay, but like the NPEs that don't have anything like that, I wasn't going to school. I wouldn't be able to fucking afford to be able to fix my own, pay for my truck, much rent, much less, you know, pay for my own prosthetic parts, which I have. And um, like the amputees that don't have access to that, it's like they need them to get better because their lives depend on them and mm. they can only afford yeah. one, you know, every couple of years. Yeah. And I'm like, that's where I'm like, oh, they need to get better because people, it's not it's it's kind of still like a niche thing now and um i'm to the point where now i learned like if i had a prosthetic for this many years there's people that could have already graduated school that if i would have been more open about my prosthetic they could have already been making progress yeah you know what i mean because they've already graduated in engineering school and i understand things at a different level with the, the degree plans and stuff like that there's not enough engineers in prosthetics um and maybe that's because people don't see them as a means for making life less disabled yet. And that's what some of the good the good thing is about a lot of the disability activists um, talk about how so many leftists in politics are so anti-disabled people, like whenever they do things, whenever they're talking about, they like hate disabled people. And there's like a really good discourse about that where they're like, when they're talking about like um, things that make life easier are accessibility options for, um, for disabled people. For them, they just think of it as like, as a, um, as like laziness or like um, capitalist things, and you're like, like when they're talking about plastic straws and stuff like that, like whenever you, people have limited use of their limbs, yeah, like it, it's it, that's really the only way for me to. I could not live in society. My injuries are too advanced. I can only exist in 2020, like because I'm already to the point where I can't feed myself or shower at the end of the day if I use my hand too much during the day. And admitting that was new this, this past year. My father passed away, and I was like, man, I don't have. I'm not indestructible anymore. Yeah. Now I have to stop doing things and I have to be more honest about to people about my limitations so that I'm putting me in a situation that I won't be able to, you know, see my way out of. And um, so, like, there's a lot of that in the talk in the disability community now where they're like, they're, like, super vocal about, like, a lot of leftists or liberals or whatever. They're, like, so fake that they're, like, it's just, it's kind of a lot of things come off as, like, hating disabled people because, like, the accessibility or, like, some of the other things 
that we rely on can kind of be seen as waste. Mm. And it's like, yeah, you just don't want us to exist to a certain point. We're like, oh, why do you need prosthetics? And I'm like, there's not that many people that need prosthetics now. And and so like, uh, the turnover with prosthetics is so high. Like people can, I have a, I have a bunch of sockets or whatever. Like some of the conversations can come off as like making disabled people feel like their accessibility things. Maybe they're making regular people's lives a little bit easier, and that makes people hate them for being like they're thinking they're lazy or whatever. But mm. I'm like, but that's the only way that they can live. You know, yeah. a lot of the things, a lot of the advancements in technology, specifically even for me, like I can't type. Um, and that's one of the things that I, I can, but I like, I, I, I need voice messaging. It's more difficult. Uh, like if I'm, if I'm typing, I can't do anything for the rest of the day. Yeah. So when I'm writing a paper, I can't do anything because my hand will be cramped up to, I'll get claw and, I, and I'm, I'll get so scared where I can't move my hand past 90 degrees because it won't come back and it'll just lock up. And it's like the most terrifying thing in the world. Whenever you're like, you, there's nobody to help you. I don't have a caregiver. And like, that's something where I'm like, I can be more vocal now. I'm going to be honest with like, Listen, a lot of these motherfuckers that have these views or whatever, that are like the professional veterans or wounded, whatever, like they have their lives so pampered that they can, that's, and maybe that's why, maybe they need it. Maybe they have families. Maybe some of the reasons I'm not vocal about things is they have families and I don't want to ruin things for their family. But I'm like, they have caregivers. Their lives are pampered. They live in house, houses paid for by other people. And like, um, whenever I'm saying things, I'm represent, I rep- representing myself with knowledge of also people with disabilities that don't have access to all these different funds and, and pampered lives and caregivers and stuff like that, where things are more difficult for them. And I wouldn't understand that if they weren't difficult for me. And so if I'm talking about prosthetics, you know, where they need to be or whatever, I'm like, I have that, that the knowledge of the disability community informs me now where I'm like, oh man, like if it's this hard for me, why would I want to make it this hard for another, Yeah, like another amputee? Because like, if they're like, why don't you pat-? I've gotten asked why I didn't patent this and stuff like that. Or I'm just giving the technology free to our amputees and the DMs. And I'm like, because I understand how hard it is being disabled yeah. when you don't have anybody to rely on. And people don't see those struggles, so they can see it's just like, that's where the, I don't see you as disabled comes in. And I'm like, motherfucker, yeah. I can't even bend down to get my fucking shit out of my fridge yeah. with this arm on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I tore my hamstring trying to work out with this because it tightened all my um tightened on my hamstring, my back hamstring, trying to figure out a way to work out with this and all the different kinds of robot. Like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want other people to deal with it. And I feel like there's a lot of dishonesty about how good prosthetics are just for like social media and commercials. Cause I've been in commercials, but like uh, movies, like just, it's kind of a toy. And I was like, what you're doing is you're giving people things that are, that are very fragile that they're going to, that they want to be able to rely on for real. And that's why people don't use prosthetics because they're so fragile like the durability is an issue. And that's why I push this hand because it's the most durable one that I've ever encountered. And um, just people don't really look at prosthetics yet to the point that they're like a, as an accessibility thing. I've so many prosthetics just because there's so many more um, leg amputees that the, the technology is able to evolve so much faster mm-hmm. because that's where people, the survivor mobility to give you numbers is, um, in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, there's less than 300 combat wounded upper extremity amputees from Iraq and Afghanistan. And that doesn't just, I like to be vocal about the, the all upper extremity amputees. So anytime you get higher up, you get closer to your neck, hmm. injuries are uh, kind of ugly. So that's why there's less arm amputees, even from stateside, from like motorcycle accidents, because their, advanced, their injuries are so advanced because 
it tends to be nerve injuries uh, from from neck stuff. I had neck stuff whenever I was first wounded, but um, uh, from whenever incidents happen, they just don't survive. So that's why there's like seven thousand or something like that. Seven between three and seven thousand combat wounded leg amputees from Iraq and Afghanistan because their their survivability was so much higher because. Mm tourniquets and um, quick clot and stuff like that and the back was so much faster and so upper amputees like whenever you have somebody up here uh, arteries close to your heart mm. and uh, the injuries are higher up and so a lot of people in the other community understand that what I'm talking about that because they're like they know firsthand that whenever somebody was wounded with a higher up it was the survivability was you know a lot lower and um, that's part of the reason why prosthetics for Hiroshima people aren't as high. Yeah. It's just, um, there's not that many. Yeah. It's, you, you said you were, you were, you were, hel- was it Helivac? What did you say it was? Hazvac? Hazvac. And what, as, what is it? Has, Hazardivac? Is that what it means? Hazard? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I, I kind of assume everybody knows what that. So I was, no, I was, yeah, I don't. So when I was wounded and I was wounded, um, I was wounded uh, I was cast back on Hilo. Um, part of the reason my injuries are so bad is because they didn't have skin graft technology in Afghanistan when I was wounded. So uh, they couldn't attempt skin grafts on me fast enough to, um, for them to take. So later on, people, the next year they got skin graft technology because of all the injuries and they were able to save people's limbs at better. But I was cast back on Hilo by Brits. And, uh, and uh, I think my friends from my units, like they know, they know why I don't talk about things, like to at a certain level or whatever. And, and now, if I'm being more vocal because it's easier, the pain for them and the pain for me is easier. But like, yeah, I was Kazakh, and um, you know, um, whenever I'm talking about things with patriotism and stuff like that, the lens of like, I'm saying that you know, as somebody who I don't, not just that I don't care that I was wounded, I care that a lot of men, the, the best men that I've ever met. Uh, sad that their voices aren't heard in the very bitter community because they died and uh, yeah so my my squad leader passed away um on the helo right next to me whenever i whenever i was hit and um and that's why like sometimes i'll, I'll be reluctant to talk about that because like people don't understand that i'm talking about somebody else's family and uh you know like right next to me and so they try to save him can't collapse lungs uh and that's it's just Collapse lungs are very, very difficult. You know, multiple amputations, collapse lungs, they're very difficult to deal with. And they couldn't save him and he passed away on Hilo, and that's called a Kazbek. Um, and the Marines call it a Kazbek. They may call it something else in the Army, um, but we call it a Kazbek. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I should have talked about that one. No, no. About being no, 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 no. Kazbek, no. it's just Hilo. Well, it doesn't necessarily be Hilo, just any, any way to uh, evacuate casualties. Mm. Yeah, no, no, no. That's no. That's not your fault. You you brought it up, and then I had to go find my charger. That's uh, that's on me. It's yeah. It's, I'd, I'm sorry if I'm not talking a lot. It's it's. I'm I'm kind of just mesmerized listening to you talk. Normally I never. Yeah, shut, no. Normally I never shut the fuck up on this podcast. But with this one, I'm finding myself just like I forget that I'm like that. This is my podcast. I feel like I'm just watching you, and I'm like, oh fuck, yeah, I, I gotta talk. <laughs> I am. Um... I feel like I have to take advantage of the time that I have now. Yeah. Uh, because I, I'm because for this at least for this semester, for at least so I I've been using the past couple of summers to work for nonprofits and stuff like that. Um, 
But um, at least this first semester, I'll, I'll be, I won't be driving to school, I'll be in Zoom. So I'm like, oh man, like I, I, I have to be more proactive about, I don't, it, it's kind of hard when people, uh, I kind of always used to assume because I couldn't hide my stuff that people already kind of would have, would have known my story so they wouldn't have to ask things. And, um, and you know, it's probably just ignorant of me. It's like, oh, you don't know me by now? Yeah, I live in well, San Antonio. Like, you would no, like, I, like I, I, I don't know your story, but I, I haven't asked because I, like you were just saying about like the Kazvac, like, you know, it's hard to talk about what you said about your arm. It's the worst day in your life. So like, I don't, I don't actually know what happened. I've been following you for almost a year. I don't actually know what happened to you. And I, I mean, I want to know, but I also don't, I don't know if that's because you, I mean, you said earlier, it's the worst day of your life. You don't want to talk about it. So no, I, I don't know what happened and I am curious what happened, but at the same time, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I thought I, I thought I want to, I don't even see, cause I'm so used to giving like elevator speeds. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. I was a rifle patrol leader and, um, um, I was a rifle patrol leader. Part of the difficulty is that there's a lot of my friends that are still active duty. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a sacredness. I mean, to me, I feel like it's so easy for the puppets to talk about them because they don't have any experience themselves. But for me, it's like, yeah, man, I mean, um, it's different whenever you watch men die. You know what I mean? Like, it, you don't want to talk about that, but you're yeah. like, motherfucker, have you ever seen a man take his last breath? It's a little, it changes like somebody you love somebody whose family you knew somebody who did everything they could to protect you and somebody whose responsibility was for you to protect and leading the patrol playing the patrol having to hear from their families about why this patrol what was changed and all i mean people don't even understand the guilt that's associated with that because you live to deal with the consequences of a singular moment and how many different situations could have been applied that i do that i make like uh, so many questions for people that lived and your own boys, you know, like they want to understand what happened and, and uh, the families for years. It was just, I couldn't, and, and then the trauma itself, you're like, oh, I didn't remember anything because I was so drugged up. And so uh, I, you know, I was knocked out. I was drawn into canal when I was wounded. And uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like now I'm to the point where I can communicate about it. It used to be every time I would talk about it, I would have nightmares. And then people would be like, oh yeah, like just in passing, they're mildly curious about my situation and they're like oh you don't understand you're gonna cause me nightmares for the rest of this fucking week and like and and so like but you know now i'm to the point where i can be proud of it i think it was my father passing away where i was like god damn i never talked to my dad but he because he was a veteran he was the only one that ever asked me anything he just believed in me and he supported me no matter what because he didn't have to because he was a medic he was on push force medic and he understood me in a way that everybody else kind of hated me and gave up on me for like not being able to be regular again but they don't understand how much pain i was in or the guilt of the consequences of people passing away and on your and that's why i'm so happy i have some people that are really uh, vocal on social media that are from my unit like captains and, and gunnies and stuff like that now where they're talking about things where i'm like oh, i'm so grateful that they talk about things emotions openly because i'm like because people will see them like my motherfuckers are the most uh, decorated fucking captains and gunnies in the fucking in the military they're war heroes and they're talking about honestly about the guilt of being able to negotiate those things within their own emotions and i'm like yeah i never thought about that uh, like i was never real enough to be like talk about that so openly and they are and that makes me happy because like uh 
it makes it easier for people who are struggling with PTSD and stuff like that to be like, oh, yeah, my father's talked about that shit. The people that are really struggling with it, not the people that are, you know, that are doing the professional, but the people that really struggle with it, I think it helps because it helps me. Whenever I see people that I look up to say that they're weak and they're not either, I'm not weak, but just like, I, 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 I now know that I'm like, man, I'm better than all these fucking puppets. And I can be better than them any day of the week. I've overcome more than them. When I say I literally crawled, crawled out of a canal of my own blood, I was drowning in a canal of my own blood. All I could see was red, and that's what woke me up, that I wasn't dying. I mean, that I wasn't dreaming. And I'm like, like I literally crawled out of, you know, just massively. It must have been really traumatic for my voice to see how massively wounded I was. Um, and, you know, fucking led my fire team led my fire team on him, you know, out of the canal and told my squad that he was, I didn't realize how wounded I was, so I was just like trying to fucking take take control of my team, like, motherfucker, let's go. And um and they were like, uh I squirt my saw grinder was so funny. He's like like guy goes in your fucking like your arm is misty and you're like yelling at us <laughs> and like uh I don't think you're in charge of us anymore. <laughs> and uh you know, um I don't have to worry about my boys disagreeing with me or whatever. They love me because it's like we have things that yeah. you don't want to. You don't want to have to make people as unified as we are because it took a lot of tragedy. Yeah. And um, you know, good men died for us to have that kind of bond. And you know, you don't. It makes me sad, but you you, you shouldn't want to create that because that's why we have to be vocal because like oh you you don't want to, you want to prevent that. And um, but like personally, I'm grateful because I wouldn't be so like. I didn't know I had a graphic thing because my guys talked about it, my saw gunner and the captains and stuff like that, uh, majors and stuff like that. They talked about what happened. And I didn't understand the grasp that people knew my situation, even uh, because you're just like you only think about the guilt of not talking about it because uh, you know somebody's death is on hands, and um, and that's this case for so many people because we lost so many Marines. The best Marines that ever knew died in combat, so there's no point in seeing like the puppets and abuse because it was like you guys were, you guys aren't the, you weren't the leaders in the military while you were in the military. Yeah, like the good ones die young. That's why they say that the good yeah. ones die young. So it's like it, you. I think that the reason that so many veterans are stuck with me because they have that lens. They're like, you know, they have that lens of like, oh man, they know my story, so they know when I'm talking about things. It's a, I'm talking from a pain, patriotism. And you know, they understand like uh, that. I can't, it's not so easy for me to bullshit, you know, because I have the perspective that like I can't say anything. I can't. I would never intentionally piss people off or troll people or whatever because men died for my ability to do that. Literally, you know what I mean? Not like you know, figuratively. Yeah. Was like other people in the military died. I was like, no, I watched good men die. Yeah. I yeah. watched little you know i just the things it's just different when yeah. you, you, you have friends that passed away and you watch friends pass away it's like uh, i that gravity is something that's like you almost resent that it's so easy for people to to lie about things you know like how they feel and propagate cap you know like the cat with kaepernick kneeling and stuff like that i'm like oh it's like patriot i'm like you motherfuckers have no idea what it's like to lose a man in combat and what they died for because I know their families are the most vocal motherfuckers in the world about Kaepernick and you get this anger where you're like of course they have the fucking ball they don't have the lack of balls because they never did anything that would make them close to that kind of vicious loss 
a tragedy. You know what I mean? So they can say those things. Like, this is because motherfuckers died for us. Like, I can't talk about that so easy because it'll ruin my day every single time I fucking talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, losing somebody is, you know? And so, like, that, I think that my friends believe me because they know my story and they don't have to worry of, like, they're like, oh, you don't, you don't know what this motherfucker went through. So when you're saying that, you're saying it from, I don't want to talk about it. It makes me sad. And, um, and so, like, that's where I was like, I have a problem with the people that propagate, like, that political merchandise. You're like, oh, and this is why we stay in the deal. Oh, you motherfuckers. Yeah. Of course it's easy for you to talk about that. Yeah. And um, and my boys get that. So they get, they get that same animosity where, like, the motherfuckers talking about Gold Star families and selling on fucking T-shirts. They have no fucking idea what it's like to... I talk to Gold Star families every single week, if not every day. Like, they're, they talk to me you know every other day and because their their boys are still in our lives there's you know they're we don't forget them we're the people that will be the reason that they talk to their kids so they knew who their dad was because they never got to meet their dad or they were too little to remember and stuff like that and so it's like it's not so easy for us to like delve into like the fucking ugliness of things because you're like i have to worry about what the gold star families who are on my social media will think of what I'm saying. Sure, so like, I, sure, I can't sure. even delve into that because yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to yeah, hurt yeah, that. Yeah, and uh, but I, I'm, that's why I'm so glad they're so vocal because all like other oh, people, you you remember that these schools are families were vocal because they understood that's what their son fought for. And um, yeah, so if, to just to summarize, I was just uh, this one that I yeah I was the rifle team leader. I was the first team leader, and I planned a patrol. I was walking through a canal uh, me and the marine i always say the fire leader concept the people there's some marine leaders that uh, specifically talk about that now the fire leader concept is in the marine corps you have to be in the front because you have to show your guys that you're you're not afraid to do to die uh, for the things that you know like you're asking them to do they'll never ask you to do something that they're not doing even better than you a squad leader and team whether they're better than you and everything that they do including especially marine infantry officers those motherfuckers are spartans and if they're working hard in person, it's because while you were fucking sleeping, they were fucking climbing up mountains to make sure that they could beat you at everything that they did so, so they could lead you effectively. You know what I mean? Because they want to be stronger than you. So they're not asking you to be stronger than an idea. They're asking you to be strong, at least as strong as they are. And so me and my squad leader were the first in the patrol behind an engineer. And everybody was like, why are the two leaders in the front? And I was like, because everybody was dying and these little, little fucking boys were behind us. And if we went in the front, they would show them, why the fuck should they step up? Why should why the fuck should they be walking point? <laughs> you know what I mean? If yeah. our fucking squad leaders and team leaders are two bitches to do it. Yeah. And it's like, and that's how you build real leadership. Because like, whatever, I, whatever I'm asking you to do, I'm already doing it. So if yeah. I'm not asking you to fucking follow me, I'm not asking you to follow me from the bottom of the mountain. Yeah. I'm asking you to fucking keep up with me. Yeah. Like, hey, motherfucker, let's fucking do this shit from behind me. Yeah. I'm going to show you that I'm fearless, that I'm, my life is, is on, is, I'm more willing to put on my life than yours. I'm trying to protect your life because I know about you. I know your fucking family. And that's why we lost so many we lost so many leaders in my unit. You know what I mean? We lost I lost my first team leader, I lost my first squad leader, I lost my platoon commander. And um, all the people that raised me in the Marine Corps, I'd say like a third of them died in combat. And um, so it's like we lose leaders because we build leaders and I mean the attrition is high because you want everybody to have that mentality we're like oh you can only lead from the front and like why would you do that because then everybody 
has the capacity to lead because they're like they understand that the responsibility and that's why i'm talking like when I, if I talk about i'm so grateful for the leaders that lost men that are still active duty to talk about the things they talk about now because i'm like people need under they teach officers and i think that they also help veterans deal with that you know what i mean like, even though they're still active duty them talking about it really helps those people cope with that since game man i was in charge of the company always my focus they passed away but in the Marine Corps, they passed away because I was beside them. I was in front of them. I was leading them. Yeah, the missions I sent them on. I was, you know, my 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 company commander was on the patrol with me. But you know, like the way it works in in the Marine Corps is like you don't they don't have any you're not they don't have any participation in the patrol. You just want to observe, and uh, that's good. You know what I mean? So like they were making the calls. My squad leader and I were making the calls, and. Um, and so, like, that's why it's so good that they're talking about the things they talk about now. Because uh, it's it was help if it helped me, it must have helped other people. And they're like, oh man, they have these emotions, and they're still young, and they still have the military career ahead of them. And I'm like, that's why I'm like, I'm so grateful that I have access to these Vietnam veterans, to Iraq, Afghanistan, where like, uh, you know, these motherfuckers are like the Sun Tzu's and. Uh, Miyamoto Musashi's of our time, we're having access to them now. And people don't even realize that these are them of, of our time, but I'm like, if, if they're preaching resilience, they're living in it. And, and, and one day, 200 years from now, we'll be, have been so grateful to step, that the ones that lived are given the perspective as they give it, because, you know, at what other time would you get that? And like, I feel like all the people that pass away, you don't really appreciate them until later, until their books have the lens of, this famous war or whatever but the ones that are talking now are are good leaders um so bro i have to yeah i have to go i'm sorry zoom just got received. no no dude Our don't apologize zoom. don't apologize you gave me an hour and 45 that, that was that was dude i could talk to you forever um i i don't want to yeah i feel like i can't like i don't want to say some cheesy like thank you for your service so i just uh yeah i don't appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk no dude um, thank you for doing I, this because i understand that like now like i feel like a, i could have built a lot of animosity against different communities towards me but i'm like I, if anybody can take it it's me and my people so i'm like i have to because because it's my community yeah and so i'm like i, I feel like now i have to be more grateful for all the people that are patriots and veterans that still support me because i'm like uh, because it's easy to kind of like interact with people that you disagree with and i'm like i know that my friends and my bubble we have a lot of disagreements and that is so with the capacity to love one another with people from politically different uh, spectrums is possible yeah it, it takes a lot of tragedy so you don't want to export that but i think it, it is like it's just it always it always i'll never like the irony of the fact that the motherfuckers that are the baddest my best friends are, my best friends are literally killers professional killers the fact that they can be so so willing to hear it's, it comes from them not having insecurity of the ego yeah. they're like oh man yeah guess what i have you know over because i've confirmed kills they're like, yeah. i'm not worried about yeah oh you said this or like the threats or whatever yeah and, uh, yeah yeah that's it's um i'm i'm glad that you know um for any opportunity now to speak um, on it where it's just like nobody's paying me to line or yeah. like that where, you know like yeah, the dude, there's no, yeah there's no fucking agenda here man just get out just dicks out just say whatever you want 
That's what I like, yeah. man. I don't want some talking. Hey, so we're going to talk about these talking points, and we're going to talk about this hashtag. Fuck that, man. Come on here, the Dragon Ball Z shirt, and it's just like, let's do this, bitch. Like, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I was like, oh man, uh, the Marine Corps should be teaching classes off of anime because the Japanese have, to have a warrior culture. Like they have, you know, when you go to Japan, you understand why they'd be able to deal with the pandemic and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a discipline. Yeah, and I was, oh, yeah. if people had, you know, if Americans were more willing to introduce their kids to trauma of the way that we, the Japanese are. They're like, hey, don't fucking do this shit because yeah. this shit will fuck you up. Yeah. Watch fucking Naruto. And look, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this could happen. This could be, you could be killed. And they're like, you get better kids whenever you don't lie to them about the, ex, you know, expose to them the truth of life yeah. early on. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. Dude, I would, hey, dude, you have my number. I have your number. I would fucking love to yeah, have man. you on again, man. That was brilliant. I, I'm down for another rant. I loved it. That was brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, bro. Just let me know. Share, share, um, share with me whenever where this is going to be or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I don't know how to rip clips and stuff like that, but I'll just share it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, it's uh takes a couple hours to upload to YouTube because my internet sucks, but um, it'll definitely it'll I'll send you a link this evening. And uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't even realize till we were talking today, like I'm very like impatient with guests when I'm like, are we on tomorrow? And I realize like as you're saying this, you're like it's it's difficult to text. That's why you do voice message. So I, I apologize for yesterday, fellas. Like, yo, Sebastian, are we on? I didn't even think. I'm like, oh, this motherfucker, it's okay. No, I just started telling my own friends and family that okay. because nobody knew that except for my little brother. My little yeah. brother knows. Yeah. Because, like, I don't I don't like that. You know, you don't want to give people your weaknesses. Yeah. No, no. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, like, man, I'm not. That culture has to change. It's, it's, there's, yeah, you got to, I was going to say Mike Durant, the pilot shot down in Black Hawk Down in his book, In the Company of Heroes. I was so surprised because he openly talks about it's not some macho thing. He openly talks. He was in captivity for 13 days. He openly talks about like crying himself to sleep every night. He openly talks about just like always just being so sad and so scared. And it oh yeah, it was that is such a good book because it's not like there I was planning to kill these motherfuckers. He's like I'm thinking about like the kisses my four year old son gives on my cheek like. I'm thinking about the two Cliff Walcott, the other pilot, or the die. He's like, I hope you have some Vietnam veteran on. Maybe we'll connect, and I'll give you some Vietnam please, veteran. Please, please. That's so important because like people don't know like why I have such animosity and stuff like that. I was like, when I was in the Marine Corps, my dad told me about how things were. He didn't tell me until I was in the Marine Corps about how things were, but like but him telling me that he remembers crying in the jungle, my, you know, after being drafted, my and uncle, missing his mom, my uncle Tim. I'm like, it, yeah, you, 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 when you're drafted, it's so different. That's a different and animal. And you're you're pulled into a world that I'm like, you change so many people's perspective on you. You really fucked up a lot of people, a lot of kids. You know what I mean? A lot of people think like, oh, why Vietnam veterans? Are like, well, first of all, there's not a lot of Vietnam veterans because a lot of them died in combat. Yeah, fifty six thousand people don't understand the ten thousands of casualties that we had. Yeah, like because they didn't live. So yeah. they. It's they're they're well adjusted because so many of them die that they didn't live. Yeah, and that's what people don't understand when we look at the casualties. Like, was like thirty three or something like that was just in combat from the the time we were there from certain campaigns that are like Vietnam yeah, deaths. The is, it's fifty six thousand deaths. Fifty six thousand. So I'm trying to remember the the specific campaigns because um, my dad was drafted late. Yeah. In the, whatever. But since he was drafted, you know what I mean? Like. Okay. 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 It, yeah. Uh, so like the initial before they started drafting people and like to whatever the parts of the campaigns or whatever I, I don't know the numbers exactly but whenever they you know when they started drafting people and then and who was going to go to Vietnam versus 
because there are people that were already in the military that weren't drafted that they were you know they they trained everybody and then the people that were drafted were like a different they they looked down on them a little bit you know what I mean? because they were like draftees yeah "Yeah, well you should you know it's just a different thing my my uncle tim passed away in 2013 but uh he was drafted and yeah he's i mean i never even heard these stories directly from him i heard them indirectly through you know people in my family that you, I'll connect. I'll connect you with some Vietnam Please veterans because um, I think it's important. Because I'm like I, I don't even like telling my shit because I'm like man I have family like if my views are in on in, on immigration and stuff like that where I'm like oh, I have motherfuckers that were born in Mexico that were drafted. A lot of people don't even know that that was possible, but that, that's just how the like that's why they don't know. Yeah. Um, like the way they don't understand how the way the draft works. We have an all all volunteer service. I was like no, I have deals that were drafted. Um, and they were born in Mexico, and I was yeah. like, and they fought, and they fought. You know what I mean? That's, a, that's like why we have Peraltas. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Sergeant Benavides. Yeah. My dad served Mass Sergeant Benavides um, in the Green Berets, and um, like uh, you see, you have, you have all these really, really cool histories. And I'm like, like people are like, why I do anything to Vietnam veterans? Say so, my dad. Like right now, we'll, like we'll never get this time because you know they're passing away. Yeah. It's hard not to talk about that. Yeah, not, not lunch, but they are passing. Yeah, away. yeah. And so it's yeah. important the history of our nation for their their stories to be out now because it, it makes me mad whenever I'm like, I spend time with POWs and Vietnam veterans and they have political views that are not being represented on social media. I'm like, you motherfuckers are talking like everybody has these different views. I know the baddest motherfuckers in the military and they're regularly talking about they have feelings about fucking draft bossers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, the, the fact that you see these t shirt views. Yeah. And then I'm like, one of my best friends is called the fucking butcher and he's a fucking double, double, double purple arm recipient of true marine veteran. And I'll tell you what, he does not have these fucking fake ass. It's just funny, like they they're getting represented because they're not on social media. Yeah, and that's why I was like, "You motherfuckers say a lot of it." Because like, I, they're my friends, so I can't like. Yeah, I, I can get, I can I can connect you guys. Please and, do, you know, like, yeah. So. Please do. What you saying about your dad? Yeah, my uncle Tim, he was drafted, and in, I mean, I think he told my dad stories where he was like, "Yeah," he's like, "I'm sitting there in like, you know, like a like the bed, and they're hanging from like branches because tigers had been eating like their friends." So they start hanging their beds from branches. And he's like, I remember like falling asleep, just like sobbing. Cause I was like, why the fuck am I in Vietnam? Like I'm 19. Like I should be smoking pot, like in Northern New Hampshire. I should be, instead it's like my friend was eaten by a tiger yesterday. Like that's not hyperbole. Like his friend was eaten by a fucking tiger and he's falling asleep on a tree branch in Vietnam. Hopefully, hopefully I'll get some of my friends this year Please to do. communicate where I'm like, I'm friends with some people that where they're like out of 30 people 18 in their 18 people in their platoon died yeah and i'm like uh, or one of them was like a one only one survivor you know i have friends that are here in san antonio that are quite city veterans and uh walking dead veterans and i'm it's like where Jesus. the whole unit was completely yeah. annihilated and they lived and Jesus. it's like it gives you that's why i say i'm so close with them because they made me i mean their injuries are not as advanced in my but they were hated at a much higher level. It's like I can fucking take a little bit of hate. These motherfuckers were spit on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they were forced. Yeah. They were spit on. Baby still. killers screamed at. Yeah. Now it's just a yeah. couple mean hashtags. Like, all right, whatever, pussy. Like, yeah. Yeah. They, exactly. they came back. Yeah. All their friends dead, maimed, and they came back. And you had a bunch of hippies screaming like baby killers, and it's like, dude, I didn't even want to go. Like, yeah, I just, was at the same concerts with you guys. Like, you yeah, know, I should be in the back of a why, VW bus. Like, yeah, it's and, and that's and that's what helps 
I, I have to explain to people where I'm like, man, it makes me mad because like so many people came from poverty and they were drafted to be hated and they still survived. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's like, and it's, uh, that's why the Vietnam veterans mean so much to me because the, the networks that they laid uh, are why people don't hate veterans as much because they're like, we can't let this yeah, happen. Yeah, we can't let this officers. fucking happen again. I know I'm keeping you way over your time, but um, I'll text you I'll text you when the, it's up. It'll probably be like three, four hours from now. Um, I'll text you. Let's definitely fucking do another one. Please put me in touch with some of your friends. I'd love to do them. And, dude, thank you so much for doing it, man. That was, that was, that legitimately, that was, that was changing. I don't want to give you some inspiration porn shit, but that, yeah, I needed I, that. I, no, I, no, I, I needed know, that. I needed this, this I'm podcast. I'm not good today. about telling people my shit because, uh, because I can't type it, you know, and I just yeah. can't type it. Yeah, well, dude, you fucking tell an awesome story, so let's definitely do another one, man. Yes, sir. Sebastian, no, don't say you don't, no, don't, don't say start to me, man. No, fuck that. I'm a bitch. That's, said, that's a Texas thing. Yeah, okay, okay, Texas. all right. Yeah, or, well, yeah. They're right. not in the military. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Sebastian, thank you, sir, and um, stay safe, stay healthy. Hopefully, COVID doesn't kill us all, and um... <laughs> I gotta stay bad, motherfucker. <laughs> all right, dog. Take it easy. You too. Peace. Yeah.